Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max. And joining me here in the booth is Gideon. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about uh, two kind of different movies, but we're trying out a new way for us to decide between our movies here. So I offered up 10 movies. Gideon offered up 10 movies when we had to choose one from the other person's list. So what we came down to uh, this week was Tron Legacy and uh, Young Frankenstein. So... Very, very different films. In fact, I'd say they're almost as opposite as you can make films. One being a uh, more classic Hollywood comedy and uh, the other one being a more modern Hollywood uh, a serious action film that is definitely more of a sci-fi film. Uh, but I think we're going to talk about uh, talk about Tron Legacy here first. Yep. Uh, so was this your first time seeing it? When was the first time you saw this? I probably saw this... I, I remember the first time I saw this, and it was back in 2010. I did not see this in the theater, but I remember when it came out on video. And you remember how they used to have these, like, uh, like small video sections in the gas station? Like, they did, not in a video store, but, like, in the gas station. They had this, like, shack of, of videos there. And I always thought that was so weird because it was, like, like, a very... They definitely don't do this anymore. So I got this from that weird shack of videos that they have at the gas station. And I watched it then. I was like, okay, cool. Not going to remember that ever again. But then they, the conversation around this kind of came back a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, it started being taught. Like, not, it wasn't like, I mean, a huge, it wasn't like, it's not like a cult classic yet, but it's like kind of headed towards that. I mean, I feel like the of. first Tron became that after a while. And yeah, I mean, you can um, really appreciate the first but Tron I really for what it didn't, did. I really didn't like it when I first saw it. I thought it was very forgettable. I mean, I was like, what, 10 or 11 years old when I when it came out. Mm -hmm. Um and so it wasn't like what I would call a childhood movie or anything. Um, but then I watched it again um, last year. And I was like, okay. I, I had since, the interesting part about it is that I had since discovered the Daft Punk soundtrack before I had rewatched it. Which I wanted to and say that that's like... It's the coolest thing ever. It's probably one like, of the... It's, it's so rad. <laughs> it might be probably the most re... Uh, I don't know. Uh, you can listen to that track probably more often it's listen, than yeah. any other will, movie soundtrack ever. I mean, I'll it's, definitely listen to the soundtrack way more than I'll ever rewatch the movie, just because it's that <laughs> listenable. Um, it's, it's, it's like it stands and it stands on its own as its own work of art. The only thing, like I would say that about, I really like the Social Network soundtrack. Like I, I listen to that probably like like six times a week, like legit. <laughs> I just, I'm just playing constantly. Um, but this also is just like an incredible soundtrack. It's and it's that, in, perfect in terms synth of wave. In, right it's in terms of like wave. greatest soundtrack of all time. I mean, part of it, part of it has to be like how it complements the movie. Like that's a very important part of it. So I don't know how much this does that. But in terms of the music itself, it's just so listenable. Yeah, it it really like it could just be a standalone synthwave album and it would work totally yeah. on its own. And it's fantastic. Uh, I've been, I listen to it a lot on, uh, you know, kind of in the background. The only other show or movie or anything that I listen to the music around it um, in a similar way is for Infinity Train, which also happens to be a synthwave kind mm. of yeah, I soundtrack. Really I know you don't really watch uh, Infinity Train, but it's got 
kind of more of an eerie, almost like a Halloween-y yeah. kind of well, synthwave. This one's more just an action synthwave. But um, I mean, I've been getting, I've been listening to a little bit more Daft Punk in general, um, and I'm I'm enjoying it. But it's definitely more dance, uh, dance like this is this is more like cinematic. Yeah. Um, while also kind of having that groovy feel to it. Yep. So I just, I, it's just like, I, I mean, I, I, what's the, what's their album? It's I think it's Discovery is what it's called. And it's a good album. It's the one that Kanye sampled on Stronger, the Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger, which is just mm. a great track by itself, and it's fun to see how it changed. Like it's, it's crazy to me how Kanye slowed it down for Stronger. Like it, the, the album cut is like so fast paced. And you think of Stronger as like a banger, but like it's legit, the, the sample is slowed down from what it originally was, which I think is funny. But I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that album, so check it out, I would say. Both of the albums. But yeah, so so for anybody who hasn't seen Tron Legacy, it is a direct sequel to the Tron movie from the, I want to say, 80s? From like the mid Yeah, 80s? 82. Oh, or 82, okay. Yeah. Um, which... Which... Really, this is the thing that they've started to do more, like these like forty years out type thing. This, I mean, this was only thirty years out, but like, I mean, we talked about Blade Runner twenty forty nine earlier uh, in the year. Um, yep. Then you've got uh, the Matrix sequel that's coming up is going to be an almost. Well, Dune's not Dune's a Dune's not a sequel though. No, but it's like a remake of it about that I mean, same. Yeah, distance. it's not really the same thing though because it's not a sequel. Like yeah, do, I like guess. Tron Legacy, Ma the Matrix, new Matrix movie. I'm assuming, and then Blade Runner 2049. I'm sure there's one other example I'm forgetting of. But like, are these sequels that are taking place 40 years on from the original events of the of the original film? I haven't seen the original Tron movie, but I just I'm assuming that that's what this is because yeah. it, it references the original Tron movie in in certain ways. Yeah, and like um, I was saying earlier, the original Tron just like what they did before they had computer generated mm -hmm. effects and how they had to do this and how they had to program it, what those guys did and the fact that they were able to actually finish that movie using the animation techniques they were, uh, it is nothing short of a miracle. Um, there's a great, uh, what's that YouTube group that does like animation and they talked about like visual effects. I can't think of it. I just saw a video of theirs today. I should have tried to mm, memorize it. Corridor? It might be them, yeah. Quarter so Digital? It might be. I, I'm trying to remember who it is, but they, they just do I, I watched them. Yeah, so they talked about that original Tron and how, how they oh, had to do it. But those guys had to program things without even knowing what it looked like. They just had to code it and, and just had to kind of know this item is going to be moving at this speed in this direction, mm -hmm. you know, and they had to do that for every single movement. And, somehow, and then they would send it in, and then a week later they would get back a reel of what what was processed and if it was messed up in just one little way then they had to do it all over again and wait another week and it was it was just crazy but this one obviously 30 years of advancement in technology now the visual effects are fantastic um this story yeah i'm sorry i'm getting ahead of myself the story itself is just a, a direct sequel to that original tron movie um you're picking up yeah. with the main character's son who um kind of gets sucked into the game you know, after getting a message on a pager, supposedly from his father, and then he's in there and he's looking for his dad because his dad's been gone for 30 years or 20 years or whatever, how long it's been. And then you find out that Clue uh, has kind of taken over the world of Tron and is kind of ruling it as a dictator now and is trying to escape and get into the real world. So, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool plot. Um very, very aesthetically a very unique and awesome movie. Like very little sunlight, even when they're in like the real world. And yeah, I mean, again, we I mentioned the Matrix already, um, but you do kind of get that vibe from from the computer world. I mean, because it's the same thing, really. It's the computer world, um, but it, it's there's no sunlight. It's like very sleek and uh, 
on unnatural in the way a lot of it plays out and and the way that I think I think the director Joseph Kaczynski has a really great visual eye um, the only thing I've seen other than this that he did was Only the Brave, which is a movie that totally went under the radar and you should totally watch. Um, it's about, like, firefighters in California who are, like, taking down uh, uh, the forest fires and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think, it came out in 2017. Nobody talked about it. I saw it in theaters and thought it was great. Um, so I would definitely check that out. Um, but he's doing Top Gun Maverick coming up uh, this year or next year. It got moved back to next year. Are you serious? <laughs> You're seeing the release date right now? Oh, my gosh. Well, I thought it was... I, may, I, I thought it was totally supposed to be this that. year. No. I thought it was Christmas this year. It's saying 2022, though. Oh, they must have pushed it back. Oh, my goodness. Again. I did not like, realize that. That's so lame. <laughs> What on earth? Yeah, I mean, I'm, they just released I'm not Ghostbusters. Happy about that at all. I mean, just be happy they just released Ghostbusters. So, I mean, we got that going. Oh, yeah. Okay, speaking of, okay, I found a whole bunch more. Like, Halloween just came out, was a big, long sequel. Doctor Sleep was another sequel that came yep. way after. Um, and you could count, like, Mad Max as another one. So, again, all these things that are like, uh, and. In terms of like auteurs, I mean, Halloween doesn't really count because it's not him. But like, but like with uh, Mad Max and The Matrix specifically, it's the auteur of the original with yeah, George Miller and the Wachowski sisters, like actually coming back to work with the project. This is not an example of that, I but like I do think that's a really interesting case. To even, I mean, they've had movies sequentially like. I mean, the first Matrix came out, what, in the early 90s? And I then suppose it's it like, doesn't really count because it's only that, been yeah. 15 years, but. I'm actually just kind of surprised now that I think about it, do the math. But then, but yeah, the then last, there were like three or four sequels one. every couple years. But from the original, years. it's been 20 years, so I mean. But I mean, the difference here being there's nothing in between. No, yeah. If there was like Tron 2, Tron 3, Tron 4, then Tron Legacy or something, sure. that's kind of what we're I'm saying is like the Matrix's yeah. situation. There yeah. hasn't been just a lull of it. No, for sure. Um, But this, I mean, in the first so Tron... So Blade Runner would be a better example. Yeah, Blade Runner is the perfect example of it. Um... But yeah, I, I really like this. It's on TV a lot. I don't know if you notice that, but Tron Legacy is like... I don't really watch TV. I, so. I see it all the time yeah. in, in in syndication, and it's just... That's where I've seen it pretty much the whole way. I, I don't know what I was doing. Like I, I guess I just didn't watch a lot of movies in theaters back when I was younger, when I was like 9 or 10 or whatever. And, you know, I didn't really start seeing a whole bunch of movies in theaters until I was like 12 or 13. And then from then on, I was like on top of it. But this one was one of those ones that got in just before I really started paying attention to theatrical releases. And I, you know, and I didn't, it didn't catch my eye that first time. But since then, since I've been watching it on TV, it's been, it's been solid. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've very much enjoyed the movie. Uh, action's really cool. Uh, Jeff Bridges is, um, is really, really good in this. I actually, I, I think everybody's really solid. Um, they do some really good work with uh, de aging, kind of before. No, it was. that's the I don't worst think, part I don't of this think, movie. I don't think Clue looks bad at all. I think they really is that ma- Jeff Bridges. Yeah, he looks awful. I hate the way he looks like a. He's totally in the uncanny valley. But that's I think kind it's of so the point, bad. though. It's also because he's a program. He's not meant to be hundred yeah, percent. I don't know. He's an man. older program. I don't know, man. He's, he's one of the older programs. He's like one of the original ones. He's not like the newer ones, like the girl that's hanging out with him in the in the you know techno yeah. mansion. But. I don't. I did not get that from the context of the film that he was supposed to look bad. It's not that he's supposed to look bad. I don't think he looks bad in general. I'm just saying that I think what they did with the de-aging at the time was really, really groundbreaking. Sure. And, I mean, you know, it's like like 
Jurassic Park, you know. Yes, know. we can make the T-Rex look yeah. better now, but it, at the time, it was still about as good as they could have done. I mean, and, we're going to talk about Blade Runner 2049. Look at how, look at what, uh, uh, what's her name looks like in that. Like, her, like she looks legit photo real. The hologram? Yeah. yeah. Um, what's her, what's her I'm name? I'm terrible with character names after uh, like a while, like if I haven't seen a movie in a while. It, it's not that. It's, um, it's, what's her name? Uh, the girl from the original, she's in the original Blade Runner, and then she plays, she's, she plays, she actually plays, um, oh, because Chani she's, in the 1984 version of Dune. <laughs> oh, that's <funny>. Zendaya's <laughs> character in the original one, but I can't remember what she, what her name is. Sean oh. Young. Okay. Sean Young. So she, she legit looks like she, they filmed her in, in 80, in 82. Yeah. For, well, that movie came on like, like for 2017. Well, it's like seven years later, so it's like there was a big, lot of progress. But yeah, there was a ton of progress. Like out of all the visual fields, yeah. I'd say no, that no, was I'm the not, big I'm one. I'm not saying it's, it's like crippling the film or anything, but the like compared to how good the rest of it looks, like this movie looks insanely good for for in all and everything else. But like it's just very sleek, and you get the techno vibe from all of it, like the lighting and stuff, the lighting from yeah. the bikes, the lights from the helmets, and all that stuff. Like it just it's great. And I, like I said, Kosinski's. Um, it's not just his eye for light, but like someone, there's that comp one composition where it's like that he holds the ring thing down and then the opening of the ring is like right on top of the person's face and then it rack focuses from the ring back to the person. Like stuff like that is what I'm just like, heck yes, I am in. You when know, it comes to the story, it's just, I, I just really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, man. It's, it's not that bad of a story, but... Uh, we can get into scores right away here, and you know if if we're going to be talking about that, since that yeah. is one of our categories here. So, uh, first impressions, Gideon, how are you feeling about that? I don't. I I really don't hate this movie because it looks and feels so great, and we'll get into that later in the category. Um, but I mean, like. I, there's not much about this. Like, like there's some interesting stuff with the father-son that's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I can buy into that. But just, like, structurally, it just feels very uneven. Like, there's, like, the, the clue stuff feels like he doesn't, like, the villain's plan isn't really ever revealed until, like, halfway through the movie. And not in, like, an interesting way. Like, the villain just doesn't have, like, a... Because he's kind of, like, just kind of wandering around the place. It just feels very uneven in that, in that respect. Um... So and, and and that makes the part that I'm like already not super emotionally invested harder to like fully buy into what's going on, because um, like it takes like what twenty minute twenty thirty minutes for him to actually get into the place, and then once he gets in, then he's got a whole bunch more to do. Like if you think of the Matrix, like like uh, um, Trinity is the first thing we see, so we've already kind of got that 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 sort of hook happening. Um, so that we can, we're kind of like in, and then Morpheus is also in the one that brings him in. So it's like, again, a lot of this stuff that the matrix does really right with, which with falling into this world, this one just doesn't really do structurally. It just kind of like matrix has the perfect break into two with him giving the, or was that, I can't, is that the break into two or the, for the, 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 the incident? I can't remember, but when he gives him the pill, like that's, that's literally the defining, uh, act break of all time is when he takes the red pill like that's I that suppose. is that is the iconic example of that and this movie needs that because it feels so structurally I mean, imbalanced you could say um, that would be when he gets scanned into the game into tron into that world right well that's that's the moment right that's the same moment but i'm saying here it i i have to look at the numbers of when it actually happens but to me it, that feels like it happens super late because he does that whole thing where he breaks into the the company. company and all that stuff 
Um, it feel I'd, I'd have to look at the numbers. I might be wrong. It feels like it happens late and it feels imbalanced. I, I, I have to check that to make. But for first impression, like, again, I love a lot of what this movie looks like. And it does have that same, like, ambitious thing of forwarding the story like Blade Runner 2049 does um, and, like, taking it in interesting new directions. Yeah. Um, I just think sometimes it's, it tends to be, it just doesn't fully hold together in the way that 2049 does. It's the girl um, from like this. Like, I can't even really remember what happens in terms of, like, the end of it. Like, what's the, like, what is the, what's the new status of all of it. Like, I just don't really remember because I don't care enough to remember. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just like, it just, it feels very uh, light compared to something like 2049 or The Matrix. Mm. Um, so I, I think- I will admit this movie is a little less memorable towards the last chunk of it. Yeah, I feel I like, like, again, the opening, the setup is what's interesting about this movie. The the ending is just like, and the, but the, it's, that's, that's what's so weird. Like, you're wanting to get to the ending, like the ending, like those stuff where things are actually happening. Because, but the the first part I feel like is where the most interesting formal choices are being made, mm. um, like especially the the the, the bike the, the the light bike uh, the the whole battle, arena thing, that whole battle like the whole arena thing is really cool. But in terms of like the consequences on the story, oh, it takes a lot longer for it to happen for a very small story impact, I which wish, is like him getting out and meeting the girl and stuff. I wish we had the soundbite of the one dude be like, "We have in our midst a user." Yeah, <laughs> the way his voice just sounds for that is so good. Oh my god, that it might be my favorite. Might be my favorite line in that whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> So for first but, impression, I think I'm going to go five or six, um, maybe five. I'm going to score this pretty highly in the other aspects, so I'll go five for first impression. Because really, it's it's not it's not a great movie, and five is a, is is not a terrible score for me either. I don't think. I think six is like average. I think this is really slightly below average in pretty much all respects, mm. um, except for the way it looks. So, ouch. Uh, I I'd give it probably. Uh, I would give it a seven overall. Um, for for the first impression, I liked it. I've never I've never owned it, but I definitely wouldn't be against rewatching it completely all the way through. And whenever it's on TV, I like to watch it. But it's not one of those ones I'm like, oh my god, I love this movie. But I do think it does a lot of interesting things, and it makes a lot of great jumps visually. And I'm sure since it's Disney, they were probably using like ILM and like some other some, some companies like that, and they just they just always do a fantastic job. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd give it a seven for that. Uh, next category is story. The story is, yeah, it kind of is weaker just towards the second half of it, I will agree, but I still enjoy the movie and I like the way it ends. It has a really satisfying and neat ending. The one thing I have an issue what with... I don't remember what happens at the end. Do they like dissolve the whole thing or do they open it up? I, no, I, they, I literally don't remember. Uh the main character's name is Sam, right? Yeah. yeah. Sam and uh, I'm trying to think of the girl's name. Uh, which, by the way, isn't she in uh, that movie with the time, uh, in time? Isn't yeah. she in that? I, I was like, I, where do I recognize her from? I couldn't remember. I haven't seen that movie. You have not? No. Oh, my gosh. That's a great movie. Um, she did uh, Booksmart, which was intriguing as a direct. She was her directorial debut, I think. And it's hmm. in terms of directing, I don't think it's that great of a movie but in terms of like a directorial debut she has a definite sense of style i'm very interested to see what she does next as a director mm. um, but yeah her and her and sam like escape and then she lives in the real world from then on so that's the kind of the thing it's isn't like she like an ai though yeah she's a program how does she get a body because she has a body in that universe and the technology kind of just takes because the t technology converts your physical matter into 
the program and then vice versa. You can convert oh. you from out uh, from the program out. Oh, I mean, I'm remembering the shot. That's a cool shot. I'm remembering the shot. I don't remember what happened, but I remember the shot like of him in the garage and stuff. Or is that earlier in the movie? That's earlier when well, he's that's, leaving. That's a cool it's a cool shot, big, anyways. Like, beam, yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, it that that whole thing is pretty interesting. And then, uh, but yeah, I I definitely feel like the it starts out a little better, but I do like the ending and as a satisfying solid ending. So yeah, uh, for story, I'll give it a seven. That's what it needs to do. Um, I'm saying four for this. Again, it's I don't remember what happened. I think it's just weakest. This is probably its weakest point. Um, I agree. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's not bad, though. I mean, still, it, it is good in a lot of other ways, and we're going to get into that, obviously, in the next categories here, which we can... Uh, acting. Into. Acting's fine. I actually really like the acting, and to do what... Um, Jeff Bridges has to do kind of playing the villain and, you know, his old character. That's kind of cool. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things that aren't in a lot of movies where, you know, not many movies have a character, you know, playing themselves, but kind of mm -hmm. not. You know, it happens. You can seek them out, but vast majority do not have that. So kind of fleshed out his acting talents a little more. And I had no issues with anybody. So acting is... is Great. Um, yeah, Garrett Hedlund, who played uh, Sam, has a really interesting filmography. He was in this, Troy, Triple Frontier, the Netflix movie with Ben Affleck, Mudbound, the Netflix movie that I saw and forgot about, Unbroken. This, is that, does he play the main character in that? I don't uh, know if I've ever seen that. I don't think he does. Else. The one about Louis Zamperini. And then he was also in Inside Lewin Davis, which is one of the Coen Brothers' best movies, which definitely check that out. I, yeah, I haven't seen or even really heard of any of those movies until you were saying it. I mean, maybe Unbroken. I, I Actually, I might have seen Unbroken. I've seen a good chunk of it. I don't think I've sat down and watched the whole thing. Yeah. Inside That's Lewis, the one with it's a POW camp, right? Yeah. Okay. Inside Lewin Davis is on Amazon Prime right now, actually. Like, seriously, mm. all-timer right there. It's with uh, uh, Oscar Isaac is playing like a musician. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, great movie, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, and and Jeff Bridges, I feel like like he's the core of this movie more than Sam is. Like like he, it's his. He, he's the one who really has a character. Well, yeah. Like Sam, Sam is very much just like puppy dog, innocent sort of blank slate in a lot of ways. And it's how Jeff Bridges has imprint, imprinted on him that cause him to have any of the character traits that he actually has, like, with him leaving and stuff. Yeah. Um. So, like, he's very generic uh, YA-type protagonist stuff. I was going to so, say, like, this I feel movie like kind of feels... perspective is what is much more interesting. So, again, that probably points to the to the structural problems that I talked about earlier in that, like, we're following him and Jeff Bridges doesn't come in until... until like, I, th I really think he... he if I had a guess, I'd say Jeff Bridges, the dad, doesn't come in until like halfway. And then Flynn, isn't he Flynn? Flynn. Yeah. And then Clue comes in after that. So it's like a weird, like. No, Clue comes in first. Clue comes in first. He thinks that's his dad. And then. See, then, then I should have rewatched this. <laughs> I, I at least remember that. I, did, I regret not rewatching it, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And I'm sure it's on Disney Plus, yeah, but I Disney don't Plus. have Disney Plus. Uh, it's so. not on Disney Plus. Never mind. Really? Nope. I thought it was. That's when I watched it. I watched it when it was on Disney Plus, but it's not anymore. Yeah, both of these movies were actually hard for me to find. I couldn't find Tron anywhere, and then for for Young Frankenstein, I had to do a free trial of Amazon Prime. So, 
That was fun. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, acting is like a six. Like, it's, yeah, wait, it's competent. Wait, wait, did I give you a score for that? I, uh, don't, I don't think so. I, I'm going to give it an eight. Uh, look and feel. This, I mean, this is, Ten. this is, it's, it's the best part of the movie that's pretty much unquestionable. Like, you can't really argue with that. It's 10. It's visually, it's fantastic. And the music is, is probably the best film music other than something maybe John Williams did for Star Wars. But in terms of re listenability, like, absolutely, this is the number one. Yeah. Film soundtrack. Um, time. I mean, I can cite whatever. Um, I don't think it's that good. I think re-listenability is, is like one aspect of it. But I mean, if I had to recite re-listenability, I mean, like I listened to like Interstellar a lot. I listened to, uh, I mean, I, I already said the social network. I listened to Interstellar, but only because of the memes. Minari, <laughs> Minari, which came out last year, has a really great soundtrack that I've listened to a lot. Um, but just Dune, I've also been uh, pumping on the daily. The new one? Yeah. Oh. But all right, uh, so are you giving it? What are you giving it? But for? again, I mean, this—it really—I mean, I don't mean to underplay it. This has, this does have a great soundtrack. Um, yeah. I'll give this an eight, and and I'm just and I'm just saying it's 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 very 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 good in terms of in terms of what uh, would it need to do to get a because ten? Because it's not the magic level. It's not the level where you've got uh, look and feel uh, working seamlessly with story to communicate. Like it's not magic. It's it's like it's sleek and like really cool, and it's got great visuals in terms of like just appearing. Oh, that's a cool shot. But in terms of like having the underlying thing, so it doesn't where have the every synergy single thing the camera does feels important and necessary towards what the story is doing. It does not have that. Mm. Um, so eight is my score. Experience is the final category. I always have fun watching this movie. Uh, anytime it's on, like I said, I continue to watch it. Like I, I have no issues with it in terms of that. And I guess I've, I've never had a bad experience watching it. So yeah, I'd probably give experience a seven. Um, yeah, it, it, regardless of my problems with the story, I did have a fun time watching this. I mean, you really do. You can grab onto the, it's like that's it's how great the visuals are. Movie, like man. you can like, just grab onto the visuals and visuals and hang with it. I I mean, I don't think that makes for a great movie, which is why I gave it a five for first impression, even if I did have kind of a good time with it. So six is my score, I think I'll say. I mean, and it does have those like it does have ambition. Like it has things that it wants to say in terms of like the 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 father-son relationship as well as the 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 limits of technology and stuff like that and how technology kind of impacts their relationship specifically. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it ever synthesizes into anything super interesting or compelling or or like it just, it, it's not a finished work it feels like. It feels like slick Disney movie with some, with, with more ideas than what you're typically going to get. Uh, yeah, uh, I was going to say, something. this has a lot of like deeper messages too. But again, right, it does, like, but it doesn't have the, the bones to make that all, that stuff work together in the way that it needs to. Mm. Um, which is, which is really a shame. Like it's, it's, I'm glad that something like this actually took a swing in that, in that respect. Yeah. Um, I just don't think it really necessarily works fully. Um, but I will commend it for that. So. Okay. So then we're going to take a small 30-second break here, and then when we come back, we're going to give you the scores for Tron Legacy and then get into Young Frankenstein. So stick around. Remember the last time your family visited the forest? It's a place of wonder and imagination for the whole family, where stories come to life, and it's closer than you think. Ready to plan your next visit? Make the forest part of your story today at a local park near you. Or find one at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service 
and the Ad Council. And we're back here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. Gideon and I just ran through Tron Legacy, and we're about to give you our full store here. So, Gideon, what what do we come up with here? Uh, We got a 68 out of 100, which puts it at the same score as the first Narnia movie, and one higher than Raging Bull. (laughs) Good. I definitely enjoy Tron Legacy a lot more than Raging Bull. Uh, <laughs> I love I love when things like this happen. Yeah, it's well, it's yeah, it's kind of funny because you like to throw a lot read, of these read like hate. <laughs> well, you throw a lot of these classic movies in here, and a lot of them I just really don't like, so that's why it ends up being down like that. But uh, transition to Young a, Frankenstein, a classic movie from 1974 featuring Gene Wilder uh, from the mind of Mel Brooks. Almost said Mel Gibson there, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, from the mind of Mel Brooks. Uh, a comedy, I guess. It's, it's a spoof. It's 100% a spoof. Um, but still, it's the, again, in terms of, we were talking, hey, there's the connection. I found the connection. It's what? basically a 40 years later sequel, except <laughs> it's just not an official sequel. Um, because uh, 40 years later, I think. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein came no, no, out no. in like so the 1880s. James Whale's Bra- Frankenstein movies were in, in the 30s. Oh. So um, I think, when did The Bride of Frankenstein come out? So this movie, if you haven't seen Frankenstein and the Bride of, Fra- and the Bride of Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein was 35, so almost exactly 40 years later. Um, if you haven't seen Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein, you're going to be missing a lot of the jokes. So I literally just watched Bride of Frankenstein on, on Halloween. So like I was... You know, a lot of the jokes had me like, okay, I, I get it. And that's kind of the part of the problem with spoof movies like this is that if you're not, if you don't have the context, it's not going to work on all cylinders. So it's like, I don't really know how to judge that. Um, anyways, so, but in terms of like being a sequel 40 years later, like it really, it kind of does a lot of the same things that Tron Legacy does because it's got the, it's Victor Frankenstein living underneath the shadow, or not Victor Frankenstein, it's, uh, it's the, it's, uh, Frederick Frankenstein. Frederick Frankenstein. Frank Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> Living under the shadow of his uh, of his grandfather, who who the, everybody hates because of what they know he did um, several 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 years earlier. Um, so I think that's actually a really interesting dynamic. Um, uh, I think, and, and the th- funny thing about it is that here it's supposed to be a joke, um, but I think that story beat works actually really well. Um, in terms of how it relates, but again, you have to. It's like it's like it's so weird because it's a spoof movie that almost acts as a direct sequel to what happened. Like so, it's it's just really weird in that in that in that way. So mm-hmm. I don't really know how to even like f- phrase that. Um, anyways, what do you think? I didn't really like it that much. I didn't yeah. hate it. Like it wasn't like where it was like Princess Bride, where you were telling me it's this hilarious movie, and then I watch it, even though I laughed about as many times as I did in. Princess Bride. I actually appreciated this movie much more, but this this one kind of cemented my my opinion on the fact that I just don't like Gene Wilder in anything. Mm. Like I really don't get the appeal of him because his comedy isn't like Willy Wonka. You don't like? No, no. Mm. He he plays the same character in every movie he does, and that isn't necessarily a bad thing. A lot of people do that. Jeff Goldblum, for instance, always kind of plays the same character. You know, always has the same emotional or or, or kind of 
you know, the way that they talk and act I mean, and all Willy this. Wonka is definitely more mysterious than, he's than mysterious, Frankenstein but, is here. Frankenstein is more, like, base nature, like... But you look like Blazing Saddles or something else, like, with, with Gene seen, Wilder. I, I and Blazing, Blazing Saddles. But my, my point is that he always kind of plays the same character, and he's kind of doing, like, this... He's got the same mannerisms, but the same mannerisms doesn't mean the same character, necessarily. I, I know, but... Okay, so the same mannerisms. He has it every time, and I don't like how he does it because he's he's not all the way in on deadpan, but he's not all the way in on sarcastic humor, I, I and really he tries like, to he tries kinda, to split I, the difference. I really like it. I think he's hilarious. I don't I don't um, see why. Like, what's funny? Like, what's funny about him? He's, he doesn't because he just he's like so deadpan until all of a sudden not it's deadpan, unexpected. Though. But until it's unexpectedly like just like completely over the top. I think he's um, just sarcastic, but he tries to play sarcastic like he's deadpan. And and the difference being like Leslie Nielsen is the perfect example of deadpan. Actual like the definition of deadpan. Well, no, he's not. He's not. But he's not doing deadpan. So like it's like he's what, he's undertoned until it's like unexpectedly he like throws it up a notch. Yeah. Well, a good example being like when he's doing the darts, you know. And then all of a sudden, just <laughs> but that but again, seems so funny, man. It, no, it's it's too long. You you need it to is, stick with a, comedy's rule of three. No, you do, do it three times. You don't need to do six dice or dart throws. I mean, we get it, okay? Like the guy keeps interrupting him every time he does it's something, and then he throws it out in a bad way. The funny the part that I found the I th I found that scene like okay. The funniest part for me is when they cut to the outside. The What's well, the car? And the car but, is riddled with darts, yeah, and the, and the, the tires the car has, are blown out. But the out. car already has more darts in it than he was throwing. We see him throw six darts, and the car alone has six in it, and we know that one went behind him and one hit the wall. It's just, so a, it's it, absurd. Like, it's it, absurdist humor. Like, it's fine, but all they need, they could have done the same joke, but actually had the continuity there, or I think the only funny I mean, character... It, I mean, I might be misspeaking here, but like, part of it, isn't the part of it, the comedy, is that it's discontinuity? Like, that's part of what makes it funny, I think. The... The one time they kind of do no continuity and it is funny is when Igor's hump is on the other side. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of funny. He's like, wait, wait what happened? Uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, but I, I think the dude, whoever played Igor, like, I feel, I, is that dude from like Monty Python or something? I feel like I've seen that guy um, in something. He was in nothing that I've uh, ever seen. I feel um, like I know him from something, but he, he, like his comedy is pretty funny, except for his fourth wall breaks, yeah. because nobody else is doing that, and like that kind of bothered me. I mean, part of the joke is that he's cross-eyed. Well, and I that's get he's cross-eyed, but why every, every why the looking at the camera jokes are are like you know sort of tongue in cheek. Like, is he actually looking at the camera or not? He did like four. I mean, he's like doing like as many fourth wall breaks as as like Deadpool for God's sake. It's just it gets to a point where. I'm like, I just don't need that, you well, know? It's, it's a comedy, though. It's not, it's not supposed to be like a... Well, but, it, I mean, it's not supposed to be a, you can a do drama a comedy without Frankenstein works, but it is, like, still has dramatic weight to it. But, I mean, like, all that stuff is just is just superfluous. Like, and, it's supposed to be funny. If it doesn't work funny, it's not funny to you. But I don't think it really counts as, like, you know, it's a serious flaw with the movie because it's just trying to be kind of absurd. It's a flaw because it's an out-of-left-field tonal switch. But it's not... It's, it's The whole movie's in comedy mode, though. Like, it's not tonally changed. Changing anything. I don't see, and the, yeah, I don't know. For for me, it kind of seemed like it because it was a very like I get the jokes are silly and a lot of them are like play on words. Like as I, you know, uh, here here uh, like, like with the cane when he hands him the cane, like walk like this or walk, you know, like something like that. And then mm -hmm. it was kind of like a sentence that could have gone two different ways, kind of like a you know naked gun or airplane or any of those movies that have those kind of jokes. I don't, I don't but like, joke you're like a double entendre? Yeah. I don't remember kind, the joke like, you're talking not about. A, not, a, not a double entendre, but he's like, uh, 
here, walked, walked with this cane or whatever, or something. I don't remember exactly what the line was, but it was just, it was, that was kind of funny, but I, I don't know. Edor had one, re, like, actual line that made me laugh, and everything else was like, I see that this is a joke, I get that it's a joke, but it's not funny enough to make me laugh. Yeah. Like, all of it. Like, the one funny thing was Edor when he's like, you know, my father used to have something like this, and this is what he used to say to me, and then it's like... You know, and at the dinner table, he just has this 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 comment that just has no bearing whatsoever. Like that was kind of funny, but other than that, I don't think there was any other part of that movie that really made me laugh. And and again, I think they don't follow the rule of three with like the horses. You know, that recurring thing they do that too much. Like it's funny the first time or second time, whatever. I get it, but then they did it like five times or six times in that. That's too much. You know, it's just they they. They don't know how to just be keep it short and sweet. People get the joke, move on. They just they keep sitting on the same crap. So, yeah, my, I, I, I like when they, when they're in the cart and she's like werewolf, and then he's like werewolf there. What there? There wolf. Yeah. There castle. Yeah. Why are you talking like that? Yeah, I, I thought Igor, you guys were doing Igor it. Igor has yeah. a lot of the, the he's, the, best he's lines. the best part of it. He's the most well written, but again, his comedy still isn't fantastic to me. I don't know. I. I went into this thinking it would be a lot funnier than it was, and I don't know why I did that because I never have found Gene Wilder funny. I don't really find Mel Brooks that funny. Some of his stuff is good. Like, Year One was actually one of the funnier movies to me, and everybody kind of forgets that that was, like, one of his final films. Um, you know, and I, I think, what, didn't he do... Wait, his, what? Year One. I, he was I either a producer or he helped write he it. There was something, it. He, was, he was either a producer or he helped write it. I know he was involved with Year One. Um, but then, like, I, didn't he do Spaceballs, or was he just yeah, in it? he did Spaceballs, Blazing Side, all the producers, Men in Tights. Yeah. Those are, I think, his main five, including from Frankenstein. But, yeah, um, I don't know. And they, gosh, that opening title sequence, it really was like, yeah, Mel Brooks was involved. Mel Brooks was, like, you see his name, like, so many times in the opening credits. It's like, good Lord, all right, we get it. He did a lot for this movie, but. Yeah. I don't know. I think the 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 one thing that I felt where it falters a bit is between the bit where he discovers the book and when he's like, all right, I'm going to go and try to actually make this happen. I feel like there's a missing beat there where because like he's because he's so staunchly against, against. His, his grandfather and then he finds the book like, and then like work. two seconds later he's like it can work well and it, then he they does show it. that so, he finishes so, reading the book right so like i feel like there's just a, there needs to be one extra beat in there you know where he's like convinced by the science because he's he's so he's so science like this is a stupid thing like this is not possible science says it's impossible but then he reads the book and he thinks oh this is scientifically possible so i think there's just a it felt his change too sudden for me like i feel i feel like there needs yeah. to be like I'm, I'm just literally one beat in between those two things that that that'll make that change more convincing but everything else after that because and this fits so many so many little character twists and stuff because he because he does that and then he's like after that it's like making it come to life and then the, his wife comes back and then there's the thing with the other and then that's where the bride of frankenstein stuff comes in because she ends up kind of acting as the way that so at yeah the, there's another at the example end of bride of frankenstein she basically what happens is uh this other scientist comes in and says to frankenstein Yo, we should get the monster a bride because it'll probably make him stop being so weird and stuff, right? So then they they bring this woman back to life, and then she wakes up and she's like, 
she looks at the monster and she's like, um, no, thank you. And the the friend, the monster goes crazy because they because of the rejection and stuff. So like then when this per then this so then the the mirror here is that the his that I mean uh uh, uh this Frankenstein's uh fiance ends up being like yeah, the bride of Frankenstein actually falling in the, love with the literal bride of the, Frankenstein. The Frankenstein up, yeah. specifically because he has a uh he's well endowed. Uh, yeah. Which which they repeat that like five times. Yeah, they made a lot of which jokes about I that. I think is kind of funny actually. Like that's not really my type of humor. Um, you know that that type of thing, uh, uh, like uh, anatomy humor stuff like that. I don't really find that funny. But because it's like Frankenstein and because he's the monster and because he's like the the figure of classic Hollywood horror and they're talking about it in that way, it's again, it's like it's it makes it intelligent in a way because it's 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 subverting like the way that we've we've held these things and like actually bringing it down to a base level of like stupid comedy. So I, I find that kind of funny. But it, but in terms of that's the comedy of it, but in terms of the dramatic arc of like what happens and how it's because in the in the first Frankenstein movie, it's it's Frankenstein's wife that gets Frankenstein's or I don't remember what, at what point they get married, but she's the one who gets captured by Frankenstein and like taken away. So that, that there's that there's that interesting turn there. Cause I was expecting like, well, where's that going to turn out? Is she, cause then you've got the other wrinkle of, of, uh, uh, the, the, the Inga, the, what she's like the lab assistant, but yeah. she's not really lab she assistant. Was she's just kind of there. She's like eye candy for the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, basically. That's, that's pretty much her, her role. But and then, I well, do and think then it the, is funny though. I, but here's one thing again, their misuse of not just following the rule of three when comedy but is like that's with so, his, with it's his, just, it's not a, it's a rule. Like I know, rule, but, but, but like they, there's, you got to admit that these, a lot of those jokes went on way too long and it's just I like, mean, you know, maybe some of but, them, but I, I don't like calling it a rule just cause like it's a, it's a, I would say the guideline of three. I'm not saying it's a guideline, I but say. I'm not saying you have to follow it, but there is a reason why it is is so synonymous. I mean, because sure. there is I mean, there's certain there's three certain, acts in a story. Like this, just the way it works, and even in and even in, down to the micro level of camera movement. Like the 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 have I talked about this video essay before? Uh, Brad Bird's uh, uh, like I don't know what he calls it, like dancing cinema or something like that. You gotta watch the episode, the essay though. Like the way the Brad Bird goes goes uses the camera to go one two three one two three. Like it's in all of his yeah. like in his, his features and stuff. Like down to that micro level, the, the three is like a number that's inherent to like storytelling and the way that we that we consume things so you're not wrong I'm, yeah but i'm just saying a lot of their jokes just go on way too long like with like early on the first time you see dr frankenstein's fiance they're at the train station they're roasting uh Tassablanca a little bit with that whole thing oh well it yeah, kind of seemed do, like that they, she does and do the same thing she like, does that same thing yeah, that same no, joke I, like don't don't touch don't me touch like me. Yeah. like four or five times in that one and then she does it again later on which it's just it's just too much. It's like just no. Okay, I don't. I like, don't do disagree it once with you with twice. that specific instance. But but they do that kind. They go too far with or too. They they just waste too much time with these long winded jokes after the punchline. Like we get it. Oh my god, you're doing it again. We get it. You're doing I, I it don't again. Find like, that big of a uh, deal with it. It's it's whatever. Um, let's get into scores. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, first impression. Ooh. I don't know, man. This is so weird for me because I didn't hate it, but I definitely didn't like it. Like, it's probably, it's teetering between a four and a five for me. Uh, probably a four. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'd be interested to see what you thought if you had seen the the James Whale Frankenstein movies 
I think those are are really excellent. I mean, I haven't seen a whole ton from from the the classic Universal horror stuff. Like, I want to see Dracula and the Invisible Man and stuff like that. I haven't seen any of those yet. Um, but I did think that that what he kind of captured in terms of like gothic atmosphere alone um, for for the 1930s is is pretty great. Um, and and I'll talk about this later when we get to look and feel. But but um, this one specifically, I like this as much as those other movies. Um, so in terms of like the fact that it's that it is a spoof and parody, and I, I again for the reasons that I expressed earlier, uh, I don't know if spoofs and parodies can like rise to the level of what these. And the fact that I did like it as much is is kind of saying something to me at least. Um, I'll also, give this a seven. They, I I really did enjoy this. I, I, seven is is my score, but okay. Uh, we can go into the next category because my question for you comes into the next category. Uh, story. Yeah. Did they ever explain like? Who that guy was that delivered the box in the in the college like lecture, and then what was in there? Like I thought they said his will, but like they never um, read the will. They never tell you like what happens. Victor just goes to Transylvania out of nowhere. I I, I don't even remember who. I remember the the guy sitting at the back of the classroom. Yeah, I don't remember that. And, guy. and he hands him the box, and that that was taken from the 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 um casket of. Baron von Frankenstein. Yeah, I don't remember what happened there. Yeah, like um, I think that went nowhere, and I'm like, why? Yeah. Why didn't they follow through on yeah. any of that? And again, there's just all they need is a but story beat there in between yeah, saying, you know, they left me the castle guy, but, or something. But in terms of other stuff that this is riffing off of, like the scene with the brains uh, in the thing, like that's a, like almost directly lifted from from the Frankenstein and then the scene with the blind guy that's pretty much directly lifted from the way that and the way that goes in the Bride of Frankenstein is he walks into the the blind guys the blind guys thing and they're having a good old time just literally just knocking back drinks and having and having fun and then these two villagers walk in and they burn the the guy's house down for like just because Frankenstein or the the monsters there so mm. and then so here it ends less tragically than it did there um, so again, again, playing off that idea of, uh, of tragedy being undercut by happy ending really. Um, and then that, that plays again, same thing with the, with the Bride of Frankenstein, like all these things that are happening, it's introducing the same exact elements. Um, but, and then, and then, um, satirizing them. Well, and not, but not stopping at just satirizing, uh, pulling them into a happy ending. Like, yeah. like, and, and introducing these elements that are eventually going to pull, pull it back. This is making me love the movie more now that I'm realizing kind of this is what it's doing. Eventually towards very, very happy ending, especially in contrast with, 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 what, with what happened earlier. Um, also, is that, that scene where they're dancing almost felt like, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but it felt kind of like it's cribbing off of King Kong to a certain extent because it's like, you know, him being presented to the crowd that boos him, which eventually causes him to go another rampage. I, I mean, it, it, might be a, it might be a reach. I don't know. Um, but just because, just because it's another thirties yeah, era, that was another thing. Thirties kind of era, thirties, thirties yeah. era, uh, horror monster movie kind of thing. Um, I don't know if that is what's happening there or not. Um, but I feel like I think I read something that the the set with the with where they bring the monster to life, like that's like exactly they they used the same set from the original Frankenstein movie. Hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. I read that somewhere. I don't. Don't quote me on it if it's not true. Um, <laughs> if it is true, I, I, I I'm but, impressed that they kept it around I, that long. If that um, is true, but again, like all of these things, I will say this for look and feel. But uh, in terms of story, in terms of the way that they're bringing back these elements that again play, I f I feel like that's just all great stuff. Um, 
and and the, the monster here he's he's but he's no uh he's not what's his he's not in any way close to the same monster as like the the way that the monster uh you feel for the monster in the in the original uh 31 film is like crazy uh, Boris Karloff really brings a lot to that character um and and the monster here is no Boris Karloff like he's just not um but he has his own character to him um it, and you and you do feel for him even if it's not this the same level as it is for 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 Karloff so, I was shot who played the the monster in this. I was like, holy cow, that's... Uh, Peter Boyle? Yeah, that was like, dude, that's like Raymond's dad. <laughs> he loves Raymond. Or, yeah. uh, or that one old guy, uh, the old dude you think is the bad guy in the Scooby-Doo movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I've um, ever seen him in anything else. I was like, wow, I've never seen him that young. <laughs> I'm going to give Story an 8 out of 10. Mm. Story for me in this, I, I really don't know. Again, it's so weird and kind of... God, yeah, it's it's playing off the original so much, but at the same time, you still get the story get of it. reconciliation and happening. It, it did have a solid flow to it. I'll give it that. Like every all the story beats kind of worked well, in, in, especially in for that. a spoof comedy. Yeah, it it like wasn't terrible, le- legit, but legit dramatic bed bedrock to it. Yeah, it's just I don't know when when it's comedy. You also have to in story. You also have to kind of take the 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 jokes in, into, into it. the story. Yeah, and. Again, it's just none of the jokes were landing really, except for one to me. Like I got that the jokes were happening, I could see the setup and all that. It just wasn't my cup of tea, so I don't know. I'd give it yeah. a, I'd give it a five. Yeah, I'm it not tried, gonna lie. It, it, there were some jokes that didn't land for me. I, 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 I see what you're saying because that happened to me too. Where I'm like, okay, yeah, I see you're t- trying to tell a joke, but it doesn't work for me. But there were other instances where where I found it funny. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, like that happened a lot in this movie where they kind of like pause and like then like do their line and stuff, like they, and then they wait after that, because yeah. like, you know it's like pausing for. Like, and I was like, okay, it, it felt like all of a sudden they're but breaking like into a Monty Python for me, uh, skit or something yeah. for like two two minutes, and then they were back to the regular story. I don't know, it just felt like that. Um, acting is next category. I'm okay with it, pretty much everybody, kind of, kind of. I don't know. Uh, Again, Gene Wilder, I've never been a big fan of him. I think this is probably the best I've ever seen him. But again, I think he's really overrated and he he like didn't even watch movies after the 80s. Like, do you know that? Like he just did he stayed away from ever going to theaters after a while. Like he just hated, really? he just hated modern movies. He he yeah, he he was not a big fan of that. And I'm like, dude, you really think way too highly of yourself. And he always has that aura about him in his movies where he, he acts like he's always the smartest person in the room no matter what. And you really have a vendetta against Gene Wilder. <laughs> yeah, because he's like put on this pedestal and I don't see why he needs to be. What is he? I mean, he, I mean he from him, all that I've seen from him is this and Willy Wonka. And Willy Wonka, I've, I've known him in for since I was a kid. And so I've always known him as Willy Wonka and nothing else until I watched this. Yeah. Um, so in terms of Willy Wonka, like I just love what that what he does with that character the like the subtle comedy that he brings to it like the 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 like mystery that that pervades his literal entire character and just like he's completely unpredictable in that movie that I, I love that so much about that um so and i've known him as that so i can't really speak to anything outside of that but i feel like his performance here definitely feels different from it didn't really want so i mean I'll, we'll see where he goes as an actor for me um mm. But I think overall the performances in this film, uh, 
again, I think the dude who played Igor really was good. great, and the, especially him. Like it, without him, he's so good. In fact, that the, I don't think that character works the same way without him. Because like yeah. just, I mean, part of it's his his physicality. I think he's he had some sort of. Um, disease which is unfortunate but like he brings that to the character i thought um, it was funny in a really interesting way actually okay he has two good jokes but the main one still is when they're sitting at the table and he has that weird comment but then the other one is when they're looking at the heads on the shelf when they first discover oh my that was one of the funniest part of the movie for that me. one that yeah. one's pretty good i was like, I was like <laughs> all right yeah that's funny but um um i'll give this like a seven for acting i mean again i seven eight Six, nine, eight, seven. It's like I'll, whatever. I'll give it a six, and it's just because Igor and maybe the the weird way that um that the the constable or whoever the oh, with, the, with the yeah, wooden arm I mean, like, about the guy the way like, the, he, like he always has to move his, like, <laughs> yeah he always has to move his arm and actually his best joke though yeah. okay so there are actually three jokes I like great. his best joke and it, what the two of these weren't like laugh out loud but I did appreciate them and I thought like that's pretty funny like I probably would have liked like I would have written something like that when they use him as the battering ram and it's his and arm it's his arm <laughs> it's his arm that was that was good yeah I'll give him that like all right like very that's, very that's well done stuff. with that one but other than that so I don't know I'll give it a <laughs> yeah, six I'm gonna funny. stick with a six Gene Wilder being the main guy wasn't great um his assistant was kind of funny you know I don't know but there's all sorts yeah of look and feel is the next category this is another one. It's like, where do I go with this? Because I, at what point are they looking really like? Yeah. Are they intentionally yeah, trying to be corny or not? You know, so I'll I'll speak to this. It's legit, so well done. It legitimately could be a sequel. Like that's that's how great the like it legit looks exactly. And this is where you have to judge it. It's not it's not based on you know how it looks by itself it's like it's it's moving so it's how how well it's, it's legit identical like, i'm not I, talking I about the, thing the laboratory though that's not I'm what talking I'm about the entire thing the black the, and white the the, the the gothic atmosphere the even the music in some respects the, the way that the the way that performances are mannered and stuff in that in that 30s type mannerism i mean without without with with sound in this case but but like legit I need it, to know it, something it's though here, perfect. Gideon. Like it's it's flawless as a spoof, but more than I've ever seen it before. Okay, you've seen the original ones. Yeah. Okay, can you tell me? So when they show like the dining room and that entryway area with the giant, well, it's um, not the with the giant fireplace. Like I felt like they could have done. I mean, this is supposed to be a huge castle, and we only see this one room. We only see this one room, and it's like, why is the one dining room right there, and then it's the entryway, and the then the stairs, that, and then that's not, it. That's looks it. a little bit different from that. Like it, the bedrooms are different. The thing that the, the about the castle that is really similar to is the dungeons. The dungeons and the lab are the parts that look like identical. I have no issue with the lab or any of that stuff. I just think that. It looks really cheap when you see that, like, the entryway is, like, the only set they have other than... Yeah, that's pretty much what the original looks like. You really get... I think it's the bedroom that's, like, one room oh, okay. um, where his wife is at. So, I don't know. Uh, look and feel. Swap And I am not a big fan of the fact that they went black and white, but I get they're trying to just do the Well, you have classic. to. Like, it, I know. you have to. <laughs> I know. So, I don't know. Again, I'll give it a... I'll give it a five. And I think it looks good in black and white. Like, it... Like, the, the yeah, cinematography I don't, is... I don't have an issue with that, but I, I give it a five. Again, it's evocative of that era. I mean, it's hard to judge it on any on any other level than that. The, the contrast with the black and white because they put Edor in the black robes he, half the time. Yeah, it just looks like a floating, like a floating head. Floating head. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, um, I I feel like I have to give this a ten for look and feel, just because it's legit the most flawless spoof 
that I've ever seen, as far mm. as I can remember. Okay. Like, so in terms of the way a spoof should look and feel, this is the embodiment of that that I can even come bring fair, to mind. Fair enough. Like space, uh, <laughs> like Spaceballs or Men in Tights or. I'm trying to think of all like those are those are Mel Brooks's other like things and and like with Spaceballs especially like he does a good job of bringing like the grunge of the first Star Wars movie and the low budget B movie type thing that that felt like I but mean it's just not it doesn't it still isn't like Star like you can't really match Star Wars um yeah experiences final category I, again it was lackluster I don't know I didn't hate it but I didn't love it I was like let's just get this over with I never need to watch this again don't know if I would recommend it to somebody I'm gonna give it a Five, uh, four. Um, I'll give this a seven for experience. I, I had a good time watching it. Um, it's not really all that boring. It's a, it's a fun comedy, um, which gives us a final score of six. Oh, I, I said, did I say seven? I gave it seven. Final score of 63, which puts it uh, at the same score as The Searchers. Okay. Yeah. Not, I mean, again, it's like, it's still okay. I just, yeah, I, I, I know I gave it kind of a hard time. I don't think it's the worst movie ever. It's probably the best Gene Wilder film I've ever seen, but that's not saying much. But still, if you haven't seen it, I think it might be worth one watch if you're into his comedy and that kind of thing. But anyways, thank you for tuning in to 90.3 WRSD-FM Oshkosh. Didn't really want it, so I mean, I'll, we'll see where he goes as an actor for me. Um mm. But I think overall the performances in this film, uh, again, I think the dude who played Igor really was great, good. and the, especially him. Like it, without him, he's so good. In fact, that the, I don't think that character works the same way without him. Because like yeah. just, I mean, part of it's his his physicality. I think he's he had some sort of um, disease, which is unfortunate. But like he brings that to the character. I thought um, it was funny in a really interesting way. Actually, okay, he has two good jokes, but the main one still is when they're sitting at the table and he has that weird comment. But then the other one is when they're looking at the heads on the shelf when they first discover. Oh, my gosh. And that's I, just that, was really like, the that was probably the funniest part of the movie. For that me. one, that yeah. one's pretty good. I was, I like, was like, all right. Yeah, that's funny. But um, um, I'll give this like a seven for acting. I mean, again, I, seven, eight. Six, nine, eight, seven. It's like I'll, whatever. I'll give it a six, and it's just because Igor and maybe the the weird way that um that the the constable or whoever the oh, with, the, for, with the yeah, wooden arm like the way like he always has to move his, like, <laughs> yeah he always has to move his arm and <laughs> actually his best joke though yeah. okay so there are actually three jokes I like his best joke and it, what the two of these weren't like laugh out loud but I did appreciate them and I thought like that's pretty funny like I probably would have liked like I would have written something like that when they use him as the battering ram and it's his and arm. It's his arm. <laughs> it's his arm. That was that was good. Yeah. I'll give him that. Like, all right. Like very, that's, very that's well done stuff. with that one. But other than that, so I don't know. I'll give it a <laughs> yeah, six. I'm gonna funny. stick with a six. Gene Wilder being the main guy wasn't great. Um his assistant was kind of funny, you know, I don't know, but there's all sorts yeah. of Yeah. Look and feel is the next category. This is another one. It's like, where do I go with this? Because I, at what point are they looking really this, like? Yeah. Are they intentionally yeah, trying to be corny or not? You so know, I'll I'll speak to this. It's legit, so well done. It legitimately could be a sequel. Like that's that's how great the like it legit looks exactly. And this is where you have to judge it. It's not it's not based on you know 
how it looks by itself. It's like it's it's moving. So it's how how well it's, it's legit identical. I'm like, not I, talking I about the thing, the laboratory though. That's not I'm what talking I'm about the entire thing. The black the, and white, the the, the, the the gothic atmosphere, the even the music in some respects, the, the way that the the way that performances are mannered and stuff in that in that 30s type mannerism. I mean, without without with with sound in this case, but but like legit. I need it, to know it, something it's though here, perfect. Gideon. Like it's it's flawless as a spoof, but more than I've ever seen it before. Okay, you've seen the original ones. Yeah. Okay, can you tell me? So when they show like the dining room and that entryway area with the giant, well, um, that's not the with the giant fireplace. Like I felt like they could have done. I mean, this is supposed to be a huge castle, and we only see this one room. We only see this one room, and it's like, why is the one dining room right there, and then it's the entryway, and the then the stairs, that, and then that's not. It that's looks it. a little bit different from that. Like it, the bedrooms are different. The thing that the, the about the castle that is really similar to is the dungeons. The dungeons and the lab are the parts that look like identical. I have no issue with the lab or any of that stuff. I just think that. It looks really cheap when you see that, like, the entryway is, like, the only set they have other than... Yeah, that's pretty much what the original looks like. You really get... I think it's the bedroom that's, like, one room oh, okay. um, where his wife is at. So, I don't know. Uh, look and feel. Swap And I that. am not a big fan of the fact that they went black and white, but I get they're trying to just do the Well, you have classic. to. Like, I know. You have to. <laughs> I know. So, I don't know. Again, I'll give it a I'll give it a five. And I think it looks good in black and white. Like, it, like the, the yeah, cinematography I don't, is... I don't have an issue with that, but I, I give it a five. Again, it's evocative of that era. I mean, it's hard to judge it on any on any other level than that. The, the contrast with the black and white, because they put Edor in the black robes, half the time yeah, it just looks like a floating head. Like a floating head. head. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, um, I I feel like I have to give this a 10 for look and feel. Just because it's legit the most flawless spoof that I've ever seen, as far mm. as I can remember. Okay. Like, so in terms of the way a spoof should look and feel, this is the embodiment of that that I can even come bring fair, to mind. Fair enough. Like, spa uh, <laughs> like Spaceballs or Men in Tights or... I'm trying to think of all like those are those are Mel Brooks's other like things and and like with Spaceballs especially like he does a good job of bringing like the grunge of the first Star Wars movie and the low budget B movie type thing that that felt like I but mean it's just not it doesn't it still isn't like Star like you can't really match Star Wars um yeah, yeah. experiences final category I, again it was lackluster I don't know I didn't hate it but I didn't love it I was like let's just get this over with I never need to watch this again don't know if I would recommend it to somebody I'm gonna give it a Five, uh, four. Um, I'll give this a seven for experience. I, I had a good time watching it. Um, it's not really all that boring. It's a, it's a fun comedy, um, which gives us a final score of six. Oh, I, I said, did I say seven? I gave it seven. Final score of 63, which puts it uh, at the same score as The Searchers. Okay. Yeah. Not, I mean, again, it's like... It's still okay. I just, yeah, I, I, I know I gave it kind of a hard time. I don't think it's the worst movie ever. It's probably the best Gene Wilder film I've ever seen, but that's not saying much. But still, if you haven't seen it, I think it might be worth one watch if you're into his comedy and that kind of thing. But anyways, thank you for tuning in to 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. 
Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRSD-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max. And joining me here in the booth is Gideon. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about uh, two kind of different movies, but we're trying out a new way for us to decide between our movies here. So I offered up 10 movies. Gideon offered up 10 movies when we had to choose one from the other person's list. So what we came down to uh, this week was Tron Legacy and uh, Young Frankenstein. So... Very, very different films. In fact, I'd say they're almost as opposite as you can make films. One being a uh, more classic Hollywood comedy and uh, the other one being a more modern Hollywood uh, serious action film that is definitely more of a sci-fi film. Uh, but I think we're going to talk about uh, talk about Tron Legacy here first. Yep. Uh, so was this your first time seeing it? When was the first time you saw this? I probably saw this... I, I remember the first time I saw this, and it was back in 2010. I did not see this in the theater, but I remember when it came out on video. And you remember how they used to have these, like, uh, like small video sections in the gas station? Like, they didn't, not in a video store, but, like, in the gas station. They had this, like, shack of, of videos there. And I always thought that was so weird because it was, like, like, a very... They definitely don't do this anymore. So I got this from that weird shack of videos that they have at the gas station. And I watched it then. I was like, okay, cool. Not going to remember that ever again. But then they, the conversation around this kind of came back a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, it started being taught. Like, not, it wasn't like, I mean, a huge, it wasn't like, it's not like a cult classic yet, but it's like kind of headed towards that. I mean, I feel like the of. first Tron became that after a while. And yeah, I mean, you can um, really appreciate the first but Tron I really for what didn't, it did. I really didn't like it when I first saw it. I thought it was very forgettable. I mean, I was like, what, 10 or 11 years old when I when it came out. Mm -hmm. Um and so it wasn't like what I would call a childhood movie or anything. Um, but then I watched it again um, last year. And I'm like, okay. I, I had since, the interesting part about it is that I had since discovered the Daft Punk soundtrack before I had rewatched it. Which I wanted to and say that that's like. It's the coolest thing ever. It's probably one like of the. It's, it's so rad. <laughs> it might be probably the most re. Uh, Re, I don't know. Uh, you can listen to that track probably more often it's listen, than yeah. any other will, movie soundtrack ever. I mean, I'll it's, definitely listen to the soundtrack way more than I'll ever rewatch the movie, just because it's that <laughs> listenable. Um, it's, it's, it's like it stands on it stands on its own as its own work of art. The only thing, like I would say that about, I really like the Social Network soundtrack. Like I, I listen to that probably like like six times a week, like legit. I, it's, I'm just playing constantly. Um, but this also is just like an incredible soundtrack. It's, and it's I, in, in, in terms wave. of, in, right. It's in terms of like wave. greatest soundtrack of all time, I mean, part of it, part of it has to be like how it complements the movie. Like that's a very important part of it. So I don't know how much this does that, but in terms of the music itself, it's just so listenable. Yeah. It, it really like, it could just be a standalone synth wave album and it would work totally yeah. on its own. And it's fantastic. Uh, I've been, I listen to it a lot on, uh, you know, kind of in the background, the only other show or movie or anything that I listen to the music around it, um, in a similar way is for infinity train, which also happens to be a synth wave kind mm. of yeah, I soundtrack. Really I know you don't really watch, uh, infinity train, but it's got, 
kind of more of an eerie, almost like a Halloween y yeah. kind of well, synthwave. This one's more just an action synthwave. But um, I mean, I've been getting, I've been listening to a little bit more Daft Punk in general, um, and I'm I'm enjoying it. But it's definitely more dance, uh, dance like this is this is more like cinematic. Yeah. Um, while also kind of having that groovy feel to it. Yep. So I just, I it's just like, I, I mean, I I what's the what's their album? It's I think it's Discovery is what it's called. It's a good album. It's the one that Kanye sampled on Stronger, the Harder Better Faster Stronger, which is just mm. a great track by itself, and it's fun to see how it changed. Like it's it's crazy to me how Kanye slowed it down for Stronger. Like it, the the album cut is like so fast paced, and you think of Stronger as like a banger, but like it's legit. The the sample is slowed down from what it originally was, which I think is funny. But I yeah. I, I really enjoy that album, so check it out. I would say both of the albums. But yeah, so so for anybody who hasn't seen Tron Legacy, it is a direct sequel to the Tron movie from the I want to say eighties, from like the mid yeah eighty two oh or eighty two okay yeah um which which really this is the thing that they've started to do more like these like forty years out type thing this I mean this was only thirty years out but like I mean we talked about Blade Runner twenty forty nine earlier uh, in the year um yep. then you've got uh, the Matrix sequel that's coming up is going to be it almost well, Dune's not Dune's a Dune's not a sequel though. No, but it's like a remake of it about that I mean, same. Yeah, distance. it's not really the same thing though, because it's not a sequel. Like yeah, Dune, I like guess. Tron Legacy, Ma the Matrix, New Matrix movie. I'm assuming, and then Blade Runner 2049. I'm sure there's one other example I'm forgetting of. But like, are these sequels that are taking place 40 years on from the original events of the of the original film? I haven't seen the original Tron movie, but I just I'm assuming that that's what this is because yeah. it, it references the original Tron movie in in certain ways. Yeah, and like um, I was saying earlier, the original Tron just like what they did before they had computer generated mm -hmm. effects and how they had to do this and how they had to program it, what those guys did and the fact that they were able to actually finish that movie using the animation techniques they were, uh, it is nothing short of a miracle. Um, there's a great, uh, what's that YouTube group that does like animation and they talked about like visual effects. I can't think of it. I just saw a video of theirs today. I should have tried to mm, memorize it. Corridor? It might be them, yeah. Quarter so Digital? It might be. I, I'm trying to remember who it is, but they, they just do I, I watched them. Yeah, so they talked about that original Tron and how, how they oh, had yes, to do it. Episode. But those guys had to program things without even knowing what it looked like. They just had to code it and, and just had to kind of know this item is going to be moving at this speed in this direction, mm -hmm. you know, and they had to do that for every single movement. And, somehow, and then they would send it in, and then a week later they would get back a reel of what what was processed and if it was messed up in just one little way then they had to do it all over again and wait another week and it was it was just crazy but this one obviously 30 years of advancement in technology now the visual effects are fantastic um this story yeah i'm sorry i'm getting ahead of myself the story itself is just a, a direct sequel to that original tron movie um you're picking up yeah. with the main character's son who um kind of gets sucked into the game you know, after getting a message on a pager, supposedly from his father, and then he's in there and he's looking for his dad because his dad's been gone for 30 years or 20 years or whatever, how long it's been. And then you find out that Clue uh, has kind of taken over the world of Tron and is kind of ruling it as a dictator now and is trying to escape and get into the real world. So, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool plot. Um very, very aesthetically, a very unique and awesome movie. Like very little sunlight, even when they're in like the real world. Yeah, I mean, again, we I mentioned the Matrix already, um, but you do kind of get that vibe from from the computer world. I mean, because it's the same thing, really. It's the computer world, um, but it, it's there's no sunlight. It's like very sleek and uh, 
on unnatural in the way a lot of it plays out and and the way that i think i think the director joseph kasinski has a really great visual eye um the only thing i've seen other than this that he did was only the brave which is a movie that totally went under the radar and you should totally watch um it's about like firefighters in california who are like taking down uh uh the forest fires and stuff Mm -hmm. um and it's, I think, it came on 2017. Nobody talked about it. I saw it in theaters and thought it was great. Um, so I would definitely check that out. Um, but he's doing Top Gun Maverick coming up uh, this year or next year. It got moved back to next year. Are you serious? <laughs> You're seeing the release date right now? Oh my gosh. Well, I thought it was, I, may, I, I thought it was totally supposed to be this that. year. No. I thought it was Christmas this year. It's saying 2022, though. Oh, they must have pushed it back. Oh my goodness. Again. I did not like, realize that. That's so lame. <laughs> What on earth? Yeah, I mean, I'm, they just released Ghostbusters. I'm not happy about that at all. I mean, just be happy they just released Ghostbusters. So, I mean, we got that going. Oh, yeah. Okay, speaking of... Okay, I found a whole bunch more. Like, Halloween just came out, was a big, long sequel. Doctor Sleep was another sequel that came yep. way after. Um, and you could count, like, Mad Max as another one. So, again, all these things that are, like... Uh, and. In terms of like our tours, I mean, Halloween doesn't really count because it's not him. But like, but like with uh, Mad Max and The Matrix specifically, it's the auteur of the original with yeah, George Miller and the Wachowski sisters, like actually coming back to work with the project. This is not an example of that, I but like I do think that's a really interesting case. To even, I mean, they've had movies sequentially like. I mean, the first Matrix came out, what, in the early 90s? And I then suppose it's it doesn't like, really count because it's only that, been yeah. 15 years, but... I, I'm sur- actually kind of surprised now that I think about it, do the math. But then, but yeah, the then last, there were like three or four sequels one. every couple years. But from the original, years. it's been 20 years, so I mean. But I mean, the difference here being there's nothing in between. No, yeah. If there was like Tron 2, Tron 3, Tron 4, then Tron Legacy or something, sure. that's kind of what we're I'm saying is like the Matrix's yeah. situation. There yeah. hasn't been just a lull of it. No, for sure. Um, But this, I mean, in the first so Tron... Blade Runner would be a better example. Yeah, Blade Runner is the perfect example of it. Um... But yeah, I, I really like this. It's on TV a lot. I don't know if you notice that, but Tron Legacy is like... I don't really watch TV. I, so. I see it all the time yeah. in, in in syndication, and it's just... That's where I've seen it pretty much the whole way. I, I don't know what I was doing. Like I, I guess I just didn't watch a lot of movies in theaters back when I was younger, when I was like 9 or 10 or whatever, and you know, I didn't really start seeing a whole bunch of movies in theaters until I was like 12 or 13. And then from then on, I was like on top of it. But this one was one of those ones that got in just before I really started paying attention to theatrical releases. And I, you know, and I didn't, it didn't catch my eye that first time. But since then, since I've been watching it on TV, it's been, it's been solid. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've very much enjoyed the movie. Uh, action's really cool. Uh, Jeff Bridges is, um, is really, really good in this. I actually, I, I think everybody's really solid. Um, they do some really good work with uh, de aging, kind of before. No, it was. that's the I don't worst think, part I don't of this think, movie. I don't think Clue looks bad at all. I think they really is that ma- Jeff Bridges. Yeah, he looks awful. I hate the way he looks like a. He's totally in the Uncanny Valley. But that's I think kind it's of so the point, bad. though. It's also because he's a program. He's not meant to be one hundred percent. I don't know. He's an man. older program. I don't know, man. He's, he's one of the older programs. He's like one of the original ones. He's not like the newer ones, like the girl that's hanging out with him in the in the you know techno yeah. mansion. But. I don't. I did not get that from the context of the film that he was supposed to look bad. It's not that he's supposed to look bad. I don't think he looks bad in general. I'm just saying that I think what they did with the de-aging at the time was really, really groundbreaking. Sure. And, I mean, you know, it's like like 
Jurassic Park, you know. Yes, know. we can make the T-Rex look yeah. better now, but it, at the time it was still about as good as they could have done. I mean, we're going to talk about Blade Runner 2049. Look at how look at what uh uh, what's her name looks like in that like her, like she looks legit photo real the hologram yeah, yeah. um what's her what's I'm her name I'm terrible with character names after uh, like a while like if I haven't seen a movie in a while it, it's not that it's um it's what's her name uh the girl from the original she's in the original blade runner and then she plays she's she plays she actually plays um oh, because Chani she's, in the 1984 version of Dune <laughs> Oh, that's Zendaya's character in the original one, but I can't remember what she, what her name is. Sean Young. Okay. Sean Young. So she, she legit looks like she, they filmed her in, in 80, in 82. Yeah. For, well, that movie came on like, like for 2017. 20, well, it's like seven years later. So it's like, there was a, a big, lot of progress. But, yeah. There was a ton of progress. Like out of all the visual fields, yeah. I'd say no, that no, was I'm the not, big I'm one. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's like crippling the film or anything but the like compared to how good the rest of it looks like this movie looks insanely good for for in all and everything else but like it's just very sleek and you get the techno vibe from all of it like the lighting and stuff the lighting from the yeah. bikes the lights from the helmets and all that stuff like it just it's great and I, like i said kosinski's um it's not just his eye for light but like someone there's that comp, one composition where it's like that he holds the ring thing down and then the opening of the ring is like right on top of the person's face and then it rack focuses from the ring back to the person like stuff like that is what i'm just like heck yes i am in you when know, it comes to the story it's just i i just really don't care <laughs> Oh, come on, man. It's it's not that bad of a story, but uh, we can get into scores right away here. And, you know, if, if we're going to be talking about that, since that yeah. is one of our categories here. So uh, first impressions, Gideon, how are you feeling about that? I don't I, I really don't hate this movie because it looks and feels so great. And we'll get into that later in the category. Um, but I mean, like, I, there's not much about this. Like, like there's some interesting stuff with the father son that's going on. Mm -hmm. Like I, I can buy into that, but just like structurally, it just feels very uneven. Like there's like the, the clue stuff feels like he doesn't like the villain's plan isn't really ever revealed until like halfway through the movie and not in like an interesting way. Like the villain just doesn't have like a, cause he's kind of like just kind of wandering around the place. It just feels very uneven in that, in that respect. Um, so and, and and that makes the part that I'm like already not super emotionally invested harder to like fully buy into what's going on, because um, like it takes like what 20 minute 20 30 minutes for him to actually get into the place, and then once he gets in, then he's got a whole bunch more to do. Like if you think of the Matrix, like like uh, um, Trinity is the first thing we see, so we've already kind of got that 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 sort of hook happening. Um, so that we can, we're kind of like in, and then Morpheus is also in the one that brings him in. So it's like, again, a lot of this stuff that the matrix does really right with, which with falling into this world, this one just doesn't really do structurally. It just kind of like matrix has the perfect break into two with him giving the, or was that, I can't, is that the break into two or the, for the, 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 the inciting incident? I can't remember, but when he gives him the pill, like that's, that's literally the defining, uh, act break of all time is when he takes the red pill like that's I that suppose. is that is the iconic example of that and this movie needs that because it feels so structurally I mean, imbalanced you could say um, that would be when he gets scanned into the game into tron into that world right well that's that's the moment right that's the same moment but i'm saying here it i i have to look at the numbers of when it actually happens but to me if that feels like it happens super late because he does that whole thing where he breaks into the the, the company. company and all that stuff 
Um, it feel I'd, I'd have to look at the numbers. I might be wrong. It feels like it happens late and it feels imbalanced. I, I, I have to check that to make, but for first impression, like, again, I love a lot of what this movie looks like. And it does have that same like ambitious thing of forwarding the story like Blade Runner 2049 does, um, and like taking it in interesting new directions. Yeah. Um, I just think sometimes it's, it tends to be, it just doesn't fully hold together in the way that 2049 does. It's the girl um, from like, this. I can't even really remember what happens in terms of like the end of it. Like what's the, like, what is the, what's the new status of all of it? Like, I just don't really remember cause I don't care enough to remember like and there's nothing wrong with that but it's just like it just it feels very uh light compared to something like 2049 or the matrix mm. um so i, I think will admit this movie is a little less memorable towards the last chunk of it yeah I feel I like, like again the opening the setup is what's interesting about this movie the the ending is just like and the, but that's that's so, that's what's so weird like you're wanting to get to the end like the ending like those stuff where things are actually happening because, but the the first part I feel like is where the most interesting formal choices are being made, mm. um, like especially the the the, the bike the, the the light bike uh, the the whole battle, arena thing, that whole battle like the whole arena thing is really cool. But in terms of like the consequences on the story, oh, it takes a lot longer for it to happen for a very small story impact. I which wish is like him getting out and meeting the girl and stuff. I wish we had the soundbite of the one dude be like, "We have in our midst a user." Yeah. <laughs> the way his voice just sounds for that is so good. Oh my god, that it might be my favorite. Might be my favorite line in that whole movie. Yeah. So for first but, impression, I think I'm gonna go five or six. Um, maybe five. I'm gonna score this pretty highly in the other aspects. So I'll go five for first impression. Because really, it's it's not it's not a great movie. And five is a is is not a terrible score for me either. I don't think. I think six is like average. I think this is really slightly below average in pretty much all respects. Mm. Um, except for the way it looks. So, ouch. Uh, I I give it probably uh, I would give it a seven overall. Um, for for the first impression, I liked it. I've never I've never owned it, but I definitely wouldn't be against rewatching it completely all the way through. And whenever it's on TV, I like to watch it. But it's not one of those ones I'm like, oh my god, I love this movie. But I do think it does a lot of interesting things, and it makes a lot of great jumps visually. And I'm sure since it's Disney, they were probably using like ILM and like some other some companies like that, and they just they just always do a fantastic job. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd give it a seven for that. Uh, next category is story. The story is, yeah, it kind of is weaker just towards the second half of it, I will agree, but I still enjoy the movie, and I like the way it ends. It has a really satisfying and neat ending. The one thing I have an issue what with... I don't remember what happens at the end. Do they, like, dissolve the whole thing, or do they open it up? I, no, I, they, I literally don't remember. Uh the main character's name is Sam, right? Yeah. yeah. Sam and uh, I'm trying to think of the girl's name. Uh, which, by the way, isn't she in uh, that movie with the time, uh, in time? Isn't yeah. she in that? I, I was Olivia like, Wilde. where do I recognize her from? I couldn't remember. I haven't seen that movie. You have not? No. Oh, my gosh. That's a great movie. Um, she did uh, Booksmart, which was intriguing as a direct. She was her directorial debut, I think. And it's hmm. in terms of directing i don't think it's that great a movie but in terms of like a directorial debut she has a definite sense of style i'm very interested to see what she does next as a director mm. um, but yeah her and her and sam like escape and then she lives in the real world from then on so that's the kind of the thing it's isn't like she's, she like an ai though yeah she's a program how does she get a body because she has a body in that universe and the technology kind of just takes because the t technology converts your physical matter into 
the program and then vice versa. You can convert oh. you from out uh, from the program out. Oh, I'm, I'm remembering the shot. That's a cool shot. I'm remembering the shot. I don't remember what happened, but I remember the shot like of him in the garage and stuff. Or is that earlier in the movie? That's earlier when he's well, leaving. That's a cool it's a big, shot anyways, like, beam, yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, it that that whole thing is pretty interesting. And then, uh, but yeah, I I definitely feel like the it starts out a little better. But I do like the ending and as a satisfying, solid ending. So yeah, uh, for story, I'll give it a seven. That's what it needs to do. Um, I'm saying four for this. Again, it's I don't remember what happened. I think it's just weakest. This is probably its weakest point. Um, I agree. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's not bad, though. I mean, still, it, it is good in a lot of other ways, and we're going to get into that, obviously, in the next categories here, which we can... Uh, acting. Acting's fine. I actually really like the acting, and to do what... Um, what Jeff Bridges has to do, kind of playing the villain and, you know, his old character. That's kind of cool. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things that aren't in a lot of movies where, you know, not many movies have a character, you know, playing themselves, but kind of mm -hmm. not. You know, it happens. You can seek them out, but vast majority do not have that. So kind of fleshed out his acting talents a little more. And I had no issues with anybody. So acting is... is Great. Um, yeah, Garrett Hedlund, who played uh, Sam, has a really interesting filmography. He was in this, Troy, Triple Frontier, the Netflix movie with Ben Affleck, Mudbound, the Netflix movie that I saw and forgot about, Unbroken. This, is that, does he play the main character in that? I don't uh, know if I've ever seen that. I don't think he does. Else. The one about Louis Zamperini. And then he was also in Inside Lewin Davis, which is one of the Coen Brothers' best movies, which definitely check that out. I, yeah, I haven't seen or even really heard of any of those movies until you were saying it. I mean, maybe Unbroken. I, I Actually, I might have seen Unbroken. I've seen a good chunk of it. I don't think I've sat down and watched the whole thing. Yeah. Inside That's Lewis, the one with it's a POW camp, right? Yeah. Okay. Inside Lewin Davis is on Amazon Prime right now, actually. Like, seriously, mm. all-timer right there. It's with uh, uh, Oscar Isaac is playing like a musician. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, great movie. But, uh, yeah. yeah I, and, and Jeff Bridges, I feel like, like he's the core of this movie more than Sam is. Like, like he, it's his, he, he's the one who really has a character. Well, yeah. Like Sam, Sam is very much just like puppy dog, innocent, sort of blank slate in a lot of ways. And it's how Jeff Bridges has imprint, imprinted on him that caused him to have any of the character traits that he actually has, like with him leaving and stuff. Yeah. Um. So like he's very generic, uh, YA type protagonist stuff. I was just so, like, say I this feel movie like kind Jeff of feels... perspective is what is much more interesting. So again, that probably points to the to the structural problems that I talked about earlier. In that, like we're following him and Jeff Bridges doesn't come in until until like I think I really think he he. If I had to guess, I'd say Jeff Bridges, the dad, doesn't come in until like halfway. And then Flynn, isn't he Flynn? Flynn. Yeah. And then Clue comes in after that. So it's like a weird, like. No, Clue comes in first. Clue comes in first. He thinks that's his dad. And then. See, then, then I should have rewatched this. <laughs> I, I at least remember that. I, di I regret not rewatching it, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And I'm sure it's on Disney Plus, yeah, but I Disney don't Plus. have Disney Plus. Uh, it's so. not on Disney Plus. Never mind. Really? Nope. I thought it was. That's when I watched it. I watched it when it was on Disney Plus, but it's not anymore. Yeah, both of these movies were actually hard for me to find. I couldn't find Tron anywhere, and then for for Young Frankenstein, I had to do a free trial of Amazon Prime. So, 
That was fun. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, acting is like a six. Like, it's, yeah, wait, it's competent. Wait, wait, did I give you a score for that? I, I, I don't no. think so. I, I'm going to give it an eight. Uh, look and feel. This, I mean, this is, Ten. this is, it's, it's the best part of the movie that's pretty much unquestionable. Like you yeah. can't really argue with that. <laughs> it's 10. It's visually, it's fantastic. And the music is, is probably the best film music other than something maybe John Williams did for Star Wars. But in terms of re-listenability, like absolutely, this is the number one yeah. film soundtrack. Um, I mean, I can cite whatever. Um, I don't think it's that good. I think re-listenability is, is like one aspect of it. But I mean, if I had to recite re-listenability, I mean, like I listened to like Interstellar a lot. I listened to, uh, I mean, I, I already said the social network. I listened to Interstellar, but only because of the I memes. Minari, <laughs> Minari, which came out last year, has a really great soundtrack that I've listened to a lot. Um, but just Dune, I've also been uh, pumping on the daily. The new one? Yeah. Oh. But all right, uh, so are you giving it? What are you giving it? But for? again, I mean, this—it really—I mean, I don't mean to underplay it. This has, this does have a great soundtrack. Um, yeah. I'll give this an eight, and and I'm just and I'm just saying it's 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 very 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 good in terms of, in terms of what uh, would it need to do to get a because 10? it's not the magic level. It's not the level where you've got uh, look and feel uh, working seamlessly with story to communicate. Like it's not magic. It's it's like it's sleek and like really cool, and it's got great visuals in terms of like just appearing. Oh, that's a cool shot. But in terms of like having the underlying thing, so it doesn't where have the every single thing the camera does feels important and necessary towards what the story is doing. It does not have that. Mm. Um, so eight is my score. Experience is the final category. I always have fun watching this movie. Uh, anytime it's on, like I said, I continue to watch it. Like I, I have no issues with it in terms of that. And I guess I've, I've never had a bad experience watching it. So yeah, I'd probably give experience a seven. Um, yeah. It, it, regardless of my problems with the story, I did have a fun time watching this. I mean, you really do. You can grab onto the, it's like, that's it's how good great the visuals are. Movie, like man. you can like, just grab onto the visuals and visuals and hang with it. I, I mean, I don't think that makes for a great movie, which is why I gave it a five for first impression, even if I did have kind of a good time with it. So six is my score. I think I'll say, I mean, and it does have those, like it does have ambition. Like it has things that it wants to say in terms of like the, the, the father-son relationship as well as the 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 limits of technology and stuff like that and how technology kind of impacts their relationship specifically mm -hmm. um i don't think it ever synthesizes into anything super interesting or compelling or or like it just it, it's not a finished work it feels like it feels like slick disney movie with some with with more ideas than what you're typically gonna get uh, yeah uh, i was gonna say something. this has a lot of like deeper messages too but again, right it does like, but it doesn't have the the bones to make that all that stuff work together in the way that it needs to mm. um which is which is really a shame like it's it's i'm glad that something like this actually took a swing in that in that respect yeah um i just don't think it really necessarily works fully um but i will commend it for that so okay so then we're going to take a small 30-second break here, and then when we come back, we're going to give you the scores for Tron Legacy and then get into Young Frankenstein. So stick around. Remember the last time your family visited the forest? It's a place of wonder and imagination for the whole family, where stories come to life, and it's closer than you think. Ready to plan your next visit? Make the forest part of your story today at a local park near you. Or find one at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service 
and the Ad Council. And we're back here on 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. Gideon and I just ran through Tron Legacy, and we're about to give you our full score here. So, Gideon, what uh, what did we come up with here? Uh, we got a 68 out of 100, which puts it at the same score as the first Narnia movie, and one higher than Raging Bull. <laughs> Good. I definitely enjoy Tron Legacy a lot more than Raging Bull. Uh, <laughs> I love I love when things like this happen. Yeah, it's well, it's yeah, it's kind of funny because you like to throw a lot read, of these read like hate. <laughs> well, you throw a lot of these classic movies in here, and a lot of them I just really don't like, so that's why it ends up being down like that. But uh, transition to Young a, Frankenstein, a classic movie from 1974 featuring Gene Wilder uh, from the mind of Mel Brooks. Almost said Mel Gibson there, but <laughs> yeah, from the mind of Mel Brooks, uh, a comedy, I guess. It's, it's a spoof. It's 100% a spoof, um, but still, it's the, again, in terms of, we were talking, hey, there's the connection. I found the connection. It's what? basically a 40 years later sequel, except <laughs> it's just not an official sequel, um, because uh, 40 years later, I think... Mary Shelley's Frankenstein came no, no, out no. in like so the 1880s. James Whale's Frankenstein movies were in the 30s. Oh. So um, I think, when did The Bride of Frankenstein come out? So this movie, if you haven't seen Frankenstein and The Bride of, and the Bride of Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein was 35, so almost exactly 40 years later. Um, if you haven't seen Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein, you're going to be missing a lot of the jokes. So I literally just watched Bride of Frankenstein on, on Halloween. So like I was... You know, a lot of the jokes had me like, okay, I, I get it. And that's kind of the part of the problem with spoof movies like this is that if you're not, if you don't have the context, it's not going to work on all cylinders. So it's like, I don't really know how to judge that. Um, anyways, so, but in terms of like being a sequel 40 years later, like it really, it kind of does a lot of the same things that Tron Legacy does because it's got the, it's Victor Frankenstein living underneath the shadow, or not Victor Frankenstein, it's, uh, it's the, it's, uh, Frederick Frankenstein. Frederick Frankenstein. Frederick Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> Living under the shadow of his uh, of his grandfather, who who the, everybody hates because of what they know he did um, several 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 years earlier. Um, so I think that's actually a really interesting dynamic. Um, uh, I think, and, and the th funny thing about it is that here it's supposed to be a joke, um, but I think that story beat works actually really well. Um, in terms of how it relates, but again, you have to. It's like it's like it's so weird because it's a spoof movie that almost acts as a direct sequel to what happened. Like so, it's it's just really weird in that in that in that way. So mm -hmm. I don't really know how to even like f phrase that. Um, anyways, what do you think? I didn't really like it that much. I didn't yeah. hate it. Like it wasn't like where it was like Princess Bride, where you were telling me it's this hilarious movie, and then I watch it, even though I laughed about as many times as I did in. Princess Bride. I actually appreciated this movie much more, but this this one kind of cemented my my opinion on the fact that I just don't like Gene Wilder in anything. Mm. Like I really don't get the appeal of him because his comedy isn't like Willy Wonka. You don't like? No, no. Mm. He he plays the same character in every movie he does, and that isn't necessarily a bad thing. A lot of people do that. Jeff Goldblum, for instance, always kind of plays the same character. You know, always has the same emotional 
are 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 kind of you know the way that they talk and act I mean, and all Willy this. Wonka is definitely more mysterious than, he's than mysterious, Frankenstein but, is here. Frankenstein is more like base nature, like. But you look at like Blazing Saddles or something else, like with with Gene Wilder I, I and Blazing Saddles. But my my point is that he always kind of plays the same character, and he's kind of doing like this. He's got the same mannerisms, but the same mannerisms doesn't mean the same character necessarily. I, I know, but. Okay, so the same mannerisms. He has it every time, and I don't like how he does it because he's he's not all the way in on deadpan, but he's not all the way in on sarcastic humor. I, I and really he tries like, to he tries kinda, to split I, the difference. I really like it. I think he's hilarious. I don't I don't um, see why like what's funny like what's funny about him. He's, he doesn't because he just he's like so deadpan until all of a sudden it's deadpan, unexpected. Though. But until it's unexpectedly like just like completely over the top. I think he's just um, sarcastic, but he tries to play sarcastic like he's deadpan. And and the difference being like Leslie Nielsen is the perfect example of deadpan. Actual like the definition of deadpan. Well, no, he's not. He's not. But he's not doing deadpan. So like it's like he's what, he's undertoned until it's like unexpectedly he like throws it up a notch. Yeah. Well, a good example being like when he's doing the darts, you know. And then all of a sudden, just say, <laughs> but but that again, seems so funny, man. It, no, it's it's too it long. Thing, you you need to is, stick with comedy's rule of three. No, you do, do it three times. You don't need to do six dice or dart throws. I mean, we get it, okay? Like the guy keeps interrupting him every time he does it's something, and then he throws it out in a bad way. The funny, the part that I found the I th I found that scene like okay. The funniest part for me is when they cut to the outside. And the What's car, the car? And the car but, is riddled with darts, yeah, and the, and the, the tires car has, are blown but out. But the car already has more. Darts in it than he was throwing. We see him throw six darts, and the car alone has six in it. And we know that one went behind him and one hit the wall. It's just so a, it's it, absurd. Like it's it, absurdist humor. Like it's fine, but all they need they could have done the same joke, but actually had the continuity there. Or I think the only funny I mean, character. It, I mean, I might be misspeaking here, but like part of it isn't the part of it. The comedy is that it's discontinuity. Like that's part of what makes it funny. I think. The, the one time they kind of do no continuity and it is funny is when Igor's hump is on the other side. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of funny. He's like, wait, wasn't wait, what that, happened? Uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, but I, I think the dude, whoever played Igor, like, I feel, is that dude from like Monty Python or something? I feel like I've seen that guy um, in something. He was in nothing that I've uh, ever seen. I feel um, like I know him from in. something, but he, he, like his comedy is pretty funny, except for his fourth wall breaks, yeah. because nobody else is doing that, and like that kind of bothered me. I mean, part of the joke is that he's cross-eyed. Well, and I that's get he's cross-eyed, but every, he's, every why the looking at the camera jokes are are like you know sort of tongue in cheek. Like, is he actually looking at the camera or not? He, he did like four. I mean, he's like doing like as many fourth wall breaks as as like Deadpool for God's sake. It's just it gets to a point where. I'm like, I just don't need that, you well, know? It's, it's a comedy, though. It's not, it's not supposed to be like a... Well, but, it, I mean, it's not supposed to be a, you can a do drama a comedy the same without, that Frankenstein works, but it is, like, still has dramatic weight to it. But, I mean, like, all that stuff is just is just superfluous. Like, I mean, it's supposed to be funny. If it doesn't work funny, it's not funny to you. But I don't think it really counts as, like, you know, it's a serious flaw with the movie because it's just trying to be kind of absurd. It's a flaw because it's an out-of-left-field tonal switch. But it's not... It's, it's The whole movie's in comedy mode, though. Like, it's not tonally changing anything i don't see and the, yeah i don't know for for me it kind of seemed like it because it was a very like i get the jokes are silly and a lot of them are like play on words like as i you know uh here here uh with, with, with the cane when he hands him the cane like walk like this or walk you know like something like that and then mm -hmm. it was kind of like a sentence that could have gone two different ways kind of like uh you know naked gun or 
Airplane or any of those movies that have those kind of jokes. I don't, I don't but like, Joker like a double entendre? Yeah. I don't remember tight, the Joker talking not about. A, not, a, not a double entendre, but he's like, uh, here, walk, walk with this cane or whatever. or something. I don't remember exactly what the line was, but... It was just it was that was kind of funny, but I, I don't know. Edor had one re, like actual line that made me laugh, and everything else was like, I see that this is a joke. I get that it's a joke, but it's not funny enough to make me laugh. Yeah, like all of it. Like the one funny thing was Edor when he's like, you know, my father used to have something like this, and this is what he used to say to me. And then it's like, you know, and then at the dinner table, he just has this 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 comment that just has no bearing whatsoever. Like that was kind of funny. But other than that, I don't think there was any other part of that movie that really made me laugh. And and again, I think they don't follow the rule of three with, like, the horses, you know, that recurring thing. They do that too much. Like, it's funny the first time or second time, whatever, I get it. But then they did it, like, five times or six times in that. That's too much. You know, it's just they 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 don't know how to just be keep it short and sweet. People get the joke, move on. They just they keep sitting on the same crap. So, yeah, my, I, I I like when they, when they're in the cart and she's like werewolf, and then he's like werewolf there. What there? There wolf. Yeah. There castle. Yeah. Why are you talking like that? Yeah, I, I thought Igor, you guys were doing. Igor it. has yeah. a lot of the. the he's the, he's best, the lines. best part of it. He's the most well written, but again, his comedy still isn't fantastic. To me, I don't know. I. I went into this thinking it would be a lot funnier than it was, and I don't know why I did that because I never have found Gene Wilder funny. I don't really find Mel Brooks that funny. Some of his stuff is good. Like, Year One was actually one of the funnier movies to me, and everybody kind of forgets that that was, like, one of his final films. Um, you know, and I, I think, what, didn't he do? Wait, what? Year One. He was I either a producer or he helped write he it. There was something, it. He, was, he was either a producer or he helped write it. I know he was involved with Year One. Um, but then, like, I, didn't he do Spaceballs or was he just yeah, in it? Yeah, he did Spaceballs, Blazing Inside, all the producers, Men in Tights. Yeah. Those are, I think, his main five, including from Frankenstein. But, yeah, um, I don't know. And they, gosh, that opening title sequence, it really was like, yeah, Mel Brooks was involved. Mel Brooks was, like, you see his name, like, so many times in the opening credits. It's like, good Lord. All right, we get it. He did a lot for this movie, but. Yeah. I don't know. I think the 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 one thing that I felt where it falters a bit is between the bit where he discovers the book and when he's like, all right, I'm going to go and try to actually make this happen. I feel like there's a missing beat there where because like he's because he's so staunchly against his, his grandfather and then he finds the book like, and then like work. two seconds later he's like it can work well and then he they does show it. that so, he finishes so, reading the book right so like i feel like there's just a, there needs to be one extra beat in there you know where he's like convinced by the science because he's he's so he's so science like this is a stupid thing like this is not possible science says it's impossible but then he reads the book and he thinks oh this is scientifically possible so i think there's just a it felt his change too sudden for me like i feel i feel like there needs yeah. to be like I'm, I'm just literally one beat in between those two things that that that'll make that change more convincing but everything else after that because and this fits so many so many little character twists and stuff because he because he does that and then he's like after that it's like making it come to life and then the, his wife comes back and then there's the thing with the other and then that's where the bride of frankenstein stuff comes in because she ends up kind of acting as the way that so yeah the, there's another at example the end of bride of frankenstein she basically what happens is uh this other scientist comes in and says to frankenstein 
yo, we should get the monster a bride because it'll probably make him stop being so weird and stuff, right? So then they they bring this woman back to life, and then she wakes up, and she's like, she looks at the monster, and she's like, um, no, thank you. And the the friend, the monster goes crazy because they because of the rejection and stuff. So like then when this per then this so then the the mirror here is that the his that, I mean, for, uh, 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 this Frankenstein's. Uh, fiance ends up being like, yeah, the bride of Frankenstein. Actually, falling in the, love with the literal bride of the, Frankenstein. The Frankenstein up, yeah. specifically because he has a uh, he's well endowed, uh, yeah. which which they repeat that like five times. Yeah, they made a lot of which jokes about I that. I think is kind of funny actually. Like that's not really my type of humor. Um, you know that that type of thing, uh, uh, like uh, anatomy humor stuff like that. I don't really find that funny, but because it's like Frankenstein and because he's the monster and because he's like the the figure of classic Hollywood horror and they're talking about it in that way, it's again, it's like it's it makes it intelligent in a way because it's 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 subverting like the way that we've we've held these things and like actually bringing it down to a base level of like stupid comedy. So I, I find that kind of funny, but it, but in terms of that's the comedy of it. But in terms of the dramatic arc of like what happens and how it's because in the in the first Frankenstein movie, it's it's Frankenstein's wife that gets Frankenstein's or I don't remember what, at what point they get married, but she's the one who gets captured by Frankenstein and like taken away. So that, that, there's that there's that interesting turn there because I was expecting like, well, where's that going to turn out? Is she because then you got the other wrinkle of of uh, uh, the 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 Inga the what she's like the lab assistant. <laughs> But yeah. she's not really lab she assistant. She's just kind of there. She's like eye candy for the movie. <laughs> yeah, like, basically. That's, that's pretty much her, her role. But and then, well, I do and think then it is funny, though. I, but here's one thing. Again, their misuse of not just following the rule of three in comedy but, is I like that's so with his. With his it's, not a, it's a rule. Like, a I know, rule, but, but like they, you got to admit that these, a lot of those jokes went on way too long. And it's just I like, mean, get on. Maybe some of but, them, but I, I don't like calling it a rule just because, like, it's a, it's a, I would say the guideline of three. I'm not saying it's a guideline, but say. I'm not saying you have to follow it, but there is a reason why it is is so synonymous. I mean, because sure. there is I mean, there's, certain... There's three certain, acts in a story. Like, this just the way it works. And even in, and but even in down to the micro level of camera movement, like the... the, the Have I talked about this video essay before? Uh, Brad Bird's... Uh, uh, like, I don't know what he calls it. Like, dancing cinema or something like that. You gotta watch the essay, the essay though. Like, the way that Brad Bird goes, goes, uses the camera to go, one, two, three. One, two, three. Like, it's in all of his, yeah. like, in his, his features and stuff. Like, down to that micro level, the, the three is, like, a number that's enhanced to like storytelling and the way that we that we consume things. So you're not wrong. I'm, yeah, but I'm just saying a lot of their jokes just go on way too long. Like with like early on, the first time you see Dr. Frankenstein's fiance, they're at the train station. They're roasting uh, Casablanca a little bit with that whole thing. Oh well, it yeah, kind of seemed do, like that. They, she does and do the same thing. She like, does that same thing, yeah, that same no, joke, I, like don't don't touch don't me, touch like me. Yeah. like four or five times in that one, and then she does it again later on, which. It's just, it's just too much. It's like just no. Okay, I don't, like I don't do disagree it once with you with that twice. specific instance. But but they do that kind. They go too far with or too. They they just waste too much time with these long winded jokes after the punchline. Like we get it. Oh my god, you're doing it again. We get it. You're doing I, I it again. I don't find like, that big of a uh, deal with it. It's it's whatever. Um, let's get into scores. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, first impression. Ooh. I don't know, man. This is so weird for me because I didn't hate it, but I definitely didn't like it. Like, it's probably, it's teetering between a four and a five for me. Uh, probably a four. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'd be interested to see what you thought if you had seen the the James Whale Frankenstein movies. I think those are are really excellent. I mean, I haven't seen a whole ton from from the the classic Universal horror stuff. Like, I want to see Dracula and the Invisible Man and stuff like that. I haven't seen any of those yet. Um, but I did think that that what he kind of captured in terms of like gothic atmosphere alone um, for for the 1930s is is pretty great. Um, and and I'll talk about this later when we get to look and feel. But but um, this one specifically, I like this as much as those other movies. Um, so in terms of like the fact that it's that it is a spoof and parody, and I, I again for the reasons that I expressed earlier, uh, I don't know if spoofs and parodies can like rise to the level of what these. And the fact that I did like it as much is is kind of saying something to me at least. Um, I'll also, give this a seven. They, I I really did enjoy this. I, I, seven is is my score, but okay. Uh, we can go into the next category because my question for you comes into the next category. Uh, story. Yeah. Did they ever explain like? Who that guy was that delivered the box in the in the college like lecture and then what was in there? Like I thought they said his will, but like they never um, read the will. They never tell you like what happens. Victor just goes to Transylvania out of nowhere. I I, I don't even remember who I remember the the guy sitting at the back of the classroom. Yeah. I don't remember that. And, guy. and he hands him the box and that that was taken from the 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 um casket of Baron von Frankenstein. Yeah, I don't remember what happened there. Yeah, like um, I think that went nowhere, and I'm like, why? Yeah. Why didn't they follow through on yeah. any of that? And again, there's just all they need is a but story beat there in between yeah, saying you know they left me the castle guy, but, or something. But in terms of other stuff that this is riffing off of, like the scene with the brains uh, in the thing, like that's a, like almost directly lifted from from the Frankenstein and then the scene with the blind guy that's pretty much directly lifted from the way that and the way that goes in the Bride of Frankenstein is he walks into the the blind guys the blind guys thing and they're having a good old time just literally just knocking back drinks and having a, and having fun and then these two villagers walk in and they burn the the guy's house down for like just because Frankenstein or the the monsters there so mm. and then so here it ends less tragically than it did there um, so again, again, playing off that idea of uh, of tragedy being undercut by happy ending, really, um, and then that that plays again. Same thing with the with the Bride of Frankenstein. Like all these things that are happening, it's introducing the same exact elements, um, but and then and then um, satirizing them. Well, and not but not stopping at just satirizing, uh, pulling them into a happy ending. Like, yeah. like, and and introducing these elements that are eventually going to pull pull it back. This is making me love the movie more now that I'm realizing kind of this is what it's doing. Eventually, towards very very happy ending, especially in contrast what with with what with what happened earlier. Um, also, is that that scene where he, they're dancing almost felt like I'm not sure if this is true or not, but it felt kind of like it's cribbing off of King Kong to a certain extent because it's like you know him being presented to the crowd that boos him, which eventually causes him to go another rampage. I, I mean, it, it might be a, it might be a reach. I don't know. Um, but just because, just because it's another thirties yeah, era, thirties kind of era, thirties yeah. era, uh, horror monster movie kind of thing. Um, I don't know if that is what's happening there or not. Um, but I feel like, I think I read something that the, the set with the, with where they bring the monster to life, like that's like exactly they they used the same set from the original Frankenstein movie. I don't know if that's true or not. I read that somewhere. I don't don't quote me on it if it's not true. Um, <laughs> if it is true, I, I, I I'm impressed that they kept it around that long. If that um, is true, but again, like all of these things, I I'll say this for look and feel. But I, in terms of story, in terms of the way that they're bringing back these elements that again play, I f I feel like that's just all great stuff. Um, 
and and the, the monster here he's he's by he's no uh he's not what's his he's not in any way close to the same monster as like the the way that the monster uh you feel for the monster in the in the original uh 31 film is like crazy uh, Boris Karloff really brings a lot to that character um and and the monster here is no Boris Karloff like he's just not um but he has his own character to him um it, and you and you do feel for him even if it's not this the same level as it is for 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 Karloff so, I was shot who played the the monster in this. I was like, holy cow, that's... Uh, Peter Boyle? Yeah, that was like, dude, that's like Raymond's dad. Everybody <laughs> loves Raymond. Or, yeah. uh, or that one old guy, uh, the old dude you think is the bad guy in the Scooby-Doo movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I've um, ever seen him in anything else. I was like, wow, I've never seen him that young. <laughs> I'm going to give Story an 8 out of 10. Mm. Story for me in this, I, I really don't know. Again, it's so weird and kind of... Oh, God. Yeah, it's it, it's playing off the original so much, but at the same time, you still get the story of get reconciliation it, happening. It, it did have a solid flow to it. I'll give it that. Like every Elda's story beats kind of worked well, in, in especially in for that. a spoof comedy. Yeah, it it like wasn't terrible, le- legit, but j- legit dramatic bed bedrock to it. Yeah, it's just I don't know when when it's comedy, you also have to in story, you also have to kind of take the 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 jokes in into the story. Yeah, and. Again, it's just none of the jokes were landing really, except for one to me. Like I got that the jokes were happening. I could see the setup and all that. It just wasn't my cup of tea. So I don't know. I'd give it yeah. a, I give it a five. Yeah, I'm it not trying, gonna lie. It, it, there were some jokes that didn't land for me. I I I, I see what you're saying because that happened to me too. Where I'm like, okay, yeah, I see you're t- trying to tell a joke, but it just didn't work for me. But there were other instances where where I found it funny. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, like that happened a lot in this movie, where they kind of like pause and like then like do their line and stuff, like they, and then they wait after that, because yeah. like, you know it's like pausing for. And I was like, okay, it, it felt like all of a sudden they're but breaking like into a Monty Python for, for me, uh, skit or something yeah. for like two two minutes, and then they were back to the regular story. I don't know, it just felt like that. Um, acting is next category. I'm okay with it, pretty much everybody, kind of, kind of. I don't know. Uh, Again, Gene Wilder, I've never been a big fan of him. I think this is probably the best I've ever seen him. But again, I think he's really overrated and he he like didn't even watch movies after the 80s. Like, do you know that? Like he just did he stayed away from ever going to theaters after a while. Like he just hated, really? he just hated modern movies. He he yeah, he he was not a big fan of that. And I'm like, dude, you really think way too highly of yourself. <laughs> and he always has that aura about him in his movies where he, he acts like he's always the smartest person in the room no matter what. And you really have a vendetta against Gene Wilder. <laughs> yeah, because he's like put on this pedestal and I don't see why he needs to be. What is he? I mean, he, I mean he from him, all that I've seen from him is this and Willy Wonka. And Willy Wonka, I've, I've known him in for since I was a kid and so I've always known him as Willy Wonka and nothing else until I watched this yeah. um so in terms of Willy Wonka like I just love what that what he does with that character the like the subtle comedy that he brings to it like the 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 like mystery that that pervades his literal entire character and just like he's completely unpredictable in that movie that I, I love that so much about that um, so and th- I've known him as that, so I can't really speak to anything outside of that. But I feel like his performance here definitely feels different from it did in Willy Wonka. So I mean, I'll, we'll see where he goes as an actor for me. Um, mm. But I think overall, the performances in this film, 
Again, I think the dude who played Igor really was good, great. and they, especially him. Like without him, he's so good. In fact, that the, I don't think that character works the same way without him. Because like, yeah. just I mean, part of it's his his physicality. I think he's he had some sort of um, disease, which is unfortunate. But like, he brings that to the character. I thought um, it was funny in a really interesting way. Actually, okay, he has two good jokes, but the main one still is when they're sitting at the table and he has that weird comment. But then the other one is when they're looking at the heads. On the shelf when they first discovered. Oh my gosh! And I, that, was like, fun- that was one of the funniest part of the movie. For that me. one, that yeah. one's pretty good. I was, I like, was like, all right, yeah, that's funny. But um, um, I'll give this like a seven for acting. I mean, again, I seven, eight, six, nine, eight, seven. It's like I'll, whatever. I'll give it a six, and it's just because Igor and maybe the the weird way that um. That the the constable or whoever the oh, with the with the yeah, wooden arm like he always has to comedy. move his, like, <laughs> yeah he always has to move his arm and actually his best joke though yeah. okay so there are actually three jokes I like That's great. his best joke and it, what the two of these weren't like laugh out loud but I did appreciate them and I thought like that's pretty funny like I probably would have liked. Like I would have written something like that when they use him as the battering ram and it's his and arm. It's his arm. <laughs> it's his arm. That was that was good. Yeah, I'll give him that. Like, all right, like very that's, very that's well done stuff. with that one. But other than that, so I don't know. I'll give it a <laughs> yeah, six. I'm gonna funny. stick with a six. Gene Wilder being the main guy wasn't great. Um, his assistant was kind of funny. You know, I don't know. But there's all sorts. Yeah, of weird. look and feel is the next category. This is another one. It's like, where do I go with this? Because I, at what point are they looking really like? Yeah. Are they intentionally trying yeah, to be corny or not? You so know, I'll I'll speak to this. It's legit, so well done. It legitimately could be a sequel. Like that's that's how great the like it legit looks exactly. And this is where you have to judge it. It's not it's not based on you know how it looks by itself. It's like it's it's moving. So it's how how well it's, it's legit identical. Like, I'm not talking I, I about the, think the laboratory though. That's I'm not talking what I'm about the entire thing. The black the, and white, the the, the the gothic atmosphere, the even the music in some respects, the, the way that the the way that performances are mannered and stuff in that in that thirties type mannerism. I mean without without with with sound in this case. But but like legit I need it, to know it, something it's though here, perfect. Didion. Like it's it's flawless as a spoof. But more than I've ever seen it before. Okay, you've seen the original ones. Yeah. Okay, can you tell me? So when they show, like, the dining room and that entryway area with the giant... Well, um, that's not the... With the giant fireplace. Like, I felt like they could have done... I mean, this is supposed to be a huge castle, and we only see this one room. We only see this one room, and it's like, why is the one dining room right there, and then it's the entryway, and the then the stairs, that, and then that's... No, it that's looks it. a little bit different from that. Like, it, the bedrooms are different. The thing that the... the about the castle that is really similar to is the dungeons. The dungeons and the lab are the parts that look like identical. I have no issue with the lab or any of that stuff. I just think that it looks really cheap when you see that like the entryway is like the only set they have other than yeah. That's pretty much what the original looks like. You really get. I think it's the bedroom. It's like one room okay. um, where his wife is at. So I don't know. Uh, look and feel. Swap and I that. am not a big fan of the fact that they went black and white. But I get they're trying to just do the. Well, you classic. have to. Like, I know. You have to. I know. So I don't know. Again, I'll give it a I'll give it a five. And I think it looks good in black and white. Like it, like the, the yeah. I don't I don't have an issue with that, but I, I give it a five. Again, it's evocative of that era. I mean, it's hard to judge it on any on any other level than that. The, the contrast with the black and white because they put Edor in the black robes he, half the time. Yeah, he just looks like a floating, like a floating head. Floating head. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, um, I I feel like I have to give this a ten for look and feel, just because it's legit the most flawless spoof. 
that I've ever seen, as far mm. as I can remember. Okay. Like, so in terms of the way a spoof should look and feel, this is the embodiment of that that I can even come bring fair, to mind. Fair enough. Like, spa uh, <laughs> like space balls or men in tights or... I'm trying to think of all like those are those are Mel Brooks's other like things and and like with Spaceballs especially like he does a good job of bringing like the grunge of the first Star Wars movie and the low budget B movie type thing that that felt like I but mean it's just not it doesn't it still isn't like Star like you can't really match Star Wars um yeah, yeah. experiences final category I, again it was lackluster I don't know I didn't hate it but I didn't love it I was like let's just get this over with I never need to watch this again don't know if I would recommend it to somebody I'm gonna give it a Five, uh, four. Um, I'll give this a seven for experience. I, I had a good time watching it. Um, it's not really all that boring. It's a, it's a fun comedy, um, which gives us a final score of six. Oh, I, I said, did I say seven? I gave it seven. Final score of 63, which puts it uh, at the same score as The Searchers. Okay. Yeah. Not, I mean, again, it's like, it's still okay. I just, yeah, I, I, I know I gave it kind of a hard time. I don't think it's the worst movie ever. It's probably the best Gene Wilder film I've ever seen, but that's not saying much. But still, if you haven't seen it, I think it might be worth one watch if you're into his comedy and that kind of thing. But anyways, thank you for tuning in to 90.3 WRSD-FM Oshkosh.